Hey there and welcome back to Link the Cast, your weekly dose of video games and nerd culture ephemera available everywhere good podcasts are sold. I'm your party host, your returning hero, your currently still riddled with COVID host Dave Ryan and I am joined by the usual cast of characters. First, he's a platforming prodigy, he's my fellow quarantinee, he's Mark Robinson. Mark, how are you? I mean, I, I'm now a quarantine-er or an ex-quarantine-y. Recovering uh, quarantine I, I've now been negative for a few days, thank God. Um, Mate, you've been negative for 34 years. Yeah, there fuck, we go. Fuck, he hit the button before I did. There we are. There Sorry, we are. Mark, it was right there. You served it up. We can all get to fuck. We're back, baby. Even uh, Garrett. I'm very nice. I would never say anything mean to Mark. <laughs> He'd strongly imply it. But <laughs> <laughs> How are you, Mark? Yes, I'm fine. I'm good, good, thank you. I uh, I still have I have a little bit of a cough yeah. still um, that I didn't even have when I had COVID. So I don't know if it's just its own cough or it's something else. I don't know what the fuck it is, but uh, but no, I'm I'm all good, thank you. How are you? More crucially, I think more importantly. Uh, yeah, like I'm grand. Um, like for the most part, the the like I'm on day eight now since I tested positive, and for the most part, it's been like a heavy cold, like congestion, bit of a tickly throat, uh, sinuses uh, aren't liking their existence at the moment. Um, it's mostly not a problem until I try to sleep, and then the congestion issue rears its head, and it makes sleeping very bad. So the other problem I have is just that I have been absolutely wrecked this week but not in that COVID fatigue sort of way that, that people talk about um, more in a just if I wasn't so congested I would be sleeping soundly and there'd barely be any problem with me uh, also joining us um, Mr. Chelsea Jack Lazell. Jack how are you? I'm not bad man thou in the presence of greatness because right now thou hast forsaken us that's how I feel Dave I feel fantastic you know why and I'm going to talk about it very soon. I saw a movie this week, everybody. <laughs> a movie that may have changed the way I feel about movies forever. <laughs> the way you feel about Irish. <laughs> the way I consider and progress my thoughts around arts and, you know, such things. But uh, yeah, other than that, mate, pretty, pretty good. Um, full of pad thai. Um, shout out my Thai and Cheson, absolutely banging pad Thai, um, and yeah, just ready to ready to rock this here on on this April Fool's Day that we record on right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, rounding out the panel, of course, he is the nexus of humanity, uh, Garrett Kidney. Garrett, how are you? It's WrestleMania weekend as we record this. Uh, Mark has already lodged plenty of thoughts on the grap up, and uh, Jack mercifully is a recovering wrestling fan. How are you? Uh, dealing with the steady flow of content so far this weekend i haven't watched a ton yet i watched like the last half hour of AAA last night which was pretty good and then i watched all of the wrestlecon super show which was very good and very bad but very bad in a way that was very good so it was a very yes. good time because when you're like sitting there at like 20 to 6 in the morning watching a, a team of like pco enzo dango jimmy wang yang face a team of onita the freaking rock and roll express juice robinson is there for some reason cole cabana and then you're like well the best wrestler in the match is technically jimmy wang yang you just have that entire yeah. fever dream and then hmm. when you have summer ray just come out and dance with fandango after the match you're just like yeah what have i done with my life to lead me to the decisions that led me to watch this show um let's let's just get into it because i've been i've been giddy for 
uh, a day or two to to hear this. Uh, what have we seen this week? Let's go to Jack Lazell. Yeah, not much. Uh, no, I've seen a movie, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> now. Can I, can I just say, I, I don't want uh, big spoilers during this because I want to be uh, awed by this work of art in the same way you were. Dave, Morbius is a film. Okay. <laughs> uh, it just, it qualifies. That's, that's all I'm going to tell you. It, it definitely qualifies as a movie. So The dictionary definition of film says... <laughs> that moving pictures in, a, in an environment indoors with chairs. No, uh, so I saw Morbius. So, okay, no spoilers. All right, fair enough. Um, I mean, that does take out about five minutes of content that I was about to drum in here, but no worries. I can yeah. sort of bend around it. I- I'll have seen it by next week and we can go ham. Oh, exactly. Okay, right. I'll, I'll be more gentle with it this week then. So, Dave, I mean, I mean, like, Morbius is a real piece of shit, man. <laughs> <laughs> like, there's no dressing it up. There's no, like, you know, uh, like last week I, I reviewed uh, Ambu Alliance and I just, I knew it was going to be a piece of shit, but it was a piece of shit I enjoyed for it being a piece of shit. Okay. Yeah. Now I realize I've said piece of shit quite a lot, so maybe I should ease up on the old swears this early. But a bad movie that you can enjoy for being a bad movie, like something you can go to maybe with your mates or by yourself and just laugh at it, you know, have some popcorn, you know, chat shit about it in the car on the way home or like message your friends in a couple of group chats like, oh, I just saw this real piece of shit. Uh, whereas Morbius isn't even that really. Like... You, you get to the point where you're halfway into the movie, right? I genuinely halfway into the movie, I was like, you know what? This this is all right, you know? This is all right. And then by the end of the movie, I was like, oh man, that's a that's an abortion of cinema right there. That is just genuinely awful because it it feels like what they were trying to do with the way they started the movie off tonally is a completely different movie than the movie ends up becoming like halfway through we sort of switch to steady pacing evolution of an intriguing story into oh we gotta do something really actiony now and we've got a special effects budget that we need spending so do all of this and then there's a lot of whooshing you dave when you see it you will realize how much (laughs) whooshing there is you know i i think about a vampire movie and i think about some of the great horror movies and and i realize that there's not that much whooshing in them whereas this Motherfuckers be whooshing, like, and they be whooshing hard uh, all over the place. Uh, and that would be Matt Smith and, uh, and and Jared Leto. I mean, I just, look, what can you say, you know? Um, one of the, the bigger... The, uh, <laughs> this and uh, House of Gucci is a real one-two for that man's career. Uh, <laughs> I'm not even going to... I'm not even going to House of Gucci. If you want to know about House of Gucci, is it? Was it? It's Mark Commode, isn't it? He does that impression yeah. of him doing the voice. And yeah, okay. Um, R.I.P. to the Commode Mail Show. I think it was the last day of the show today. Yeah, so because they just announced their new show, uh, their new podcast on Twitter there a couple hours ago. There you go. There you go. Um, but it just—I mean, he is—he's trying right put it that way but it feels like that what he's trying to do is not the film that he's in um he's trying to do this sort of like you know at the start 
charismatic, lovable sort of rogue, uh, uh, you know, who's who's like this, you know, sort of like cool, um, sort of outsidery doctor who's suffering from a serious disease uh, at, at one point like within the first five minutes so this isn't a big spoiler he's like offered a nobel prize and he's like nah fuck that nobel prize yo and he doesn't take it for whatever reason that is never explained and then we move on 30 seconds later and he's revealed to have a big jar of bats in his room <laughs> so you go from like this big you know what would be a pivotal moment in someone's life i.e turning down a nobel prize to by the way check out this big jar of bats i got in my room and then they never mention it Jack. again for the rest Jack, of the movie it, is he fucking the bats <laughs> okay there's a moment where he artfully <laughs> walks <laughs> into the center of the bats it's, and the it's, bats it's can very talk. tastefully done <laughs> they can talk and they twist around and i'm not saying he isn't fucking the bats because you don't actually see it at one point in the movie and again this genuinely isn't that much of a spoiler but he actually weaponizes a wedge full of bats and you're like <laughs> how is he doing this because no one explains or even figures out at any point that he can control bats and use them as if they were some sort of javelin. So he fashions a sort of whooshy, and again, there's so much whooshing, guys. He, he, he fashions a whooshy javelin out of bats and whooshes Matt Smith with his whooshy bat javelin, um, which I know sounds pretty homoerotic and it isn't that's the thing right you know, if only you want, it was if only it was if it was campy or silly or funny or like everyone yeah, like sort if, of, this, if this was the batman and robin of bat shagging oh, movies yeah and mark would be all over it with his schumacher love like i would be i would be recommending this to mark if it was that sort of movie where people had like visible nipples but it we don't get that we, we just don't care anything that makes any sense. Matt Smith is, like, in the movie, and he's pretty good at the character stuff that he's trying to do before he has to become a sort of twisted, like, CGI'd, over-the-top load of nonsense. And then all of the acting that that guy can do, that he can do very well, is immediately gone. Jared Harris is in the movie... And is cool anytime he's on screen. And then for no, oh, I don't know. I, I won't spoil what happens to Jared Harris, but something happens to Jared Harris, and it happens so quickly. And then you're like, oh, okay. Well, why did that happen to Jared Harris then? Like, what the? What am I supposed to do with this now? This is this is a thing that happened to Jared Harris. I I, I don't get it. Motherfucking Tyrese is in this movie, right? How much charisma has Tyrese got? How cool is Tyrese, right? You know, he's a sort of like lovable, fun, dumb guy in, in Fast and Furious. You know, he's got his very own specific style of personality in that. And he, I, I don't know about you, Dave, but the two guys I love the most usually in, in Fast and Furious are, are Tyrese and Luda. You know how much I love Luda for starters, yeah. but Tyrese is right up there too. And Tyrese is in this movie and they make him play the most vanilla, boring, personality-less cop who just walks around and surveys what's happening and, and walks up and asks, like, questions, like, expositional questions about, you know, murder scenes or whatever. And he's just... He might as well not be in it. Um, 
there's a love interest for Jared Leto. You don't see any chemistry forming between them at all before they even kiss. Oh, and then spoilers, they kiss at one point. I'm Is sorry. I, ru- I ruined that for you. Yeah, he uses bats instead of surrogate bat to kiss. It's just like, can I just have something to glom onto in this movie that is an absolute pish? And the answer is no. There really isn't anything good about it. I kind of like the setup of why Matt Smith and um, and Jared Leto are friends from childhood and you see them as kids and the kid actors. Are, like, that bit's pretty good. But even that bit is just filled with contrivances and nonsense and he's made this fake blood. Oh, just I, honestly, I, I, I'm, I, I can't, I can't anymore. I, I think I'm out now. Without spoiling it, <laughs> I'm out. Right? But the fake blood and it's blue, and he shoves it in his face, and just that. Oh, anyway, look, this movie sucks. Okay, I have a Cineworld card. Right, I've got an unlimited pass. I can go see any movie on this pass right so technically yes i pay for the pass and i guess every film that i see probably counts as a percentage of the money that i've invested in it but there is absolutely no way that i could recommend anyone listening now if you don't have a way of seeing this movie for what would cost you no additional money to ever go and see this movie not only should you ignore this movie, you should hold this movie in contempt, okay? The way that you hold people who do illegal things in contempt and you don't want to patronise their business or give them any attention or anything like that. That is what Morbius should be. Morbius should be in that delete bit of life next, next to, like, Harvey Weinstein and cryptocurrency. Like, where you, in five to ten years' time... People will only ever remember the atrocities and nothing else about it. And this is how bad this movie is. It's just... Fuck this movie. I can't wait to go <laughs> see this go. movie personally. <laughs> yeah. That's how I felt, though. But, Garrett, I felt the same way as you. I was like, I'm really... Because I've heard how bad this is. I'm like... I, I came out and I, I just straight away to, to, to Dave, I was just like, God, that was a piece of shit. And, you know, sometimes critics are off base or they can't buy into the campy funness of something. But no, they, they, no one was off base with their review of this. It's it, just terrible. It debuted on RT at 17% and has since slipped to 15%. <laughs> I mean, that 15% is generous. <laughs> I think that you is know, the literal, it's a film percentage you get. Yeah. Can I yeah. just say, like, Matt Smith has had the weirdest fucking film career up until this point. Yeah. Like, going from Termina- Terminator Genesis, like, for a start, to Official Secrets, to Last Night in Soho, now to this. Uh, and also, how dumb does he look in the preview stills for House of the Dragon? Yeah. How long is this, Jack? Yeah. It here's the thing. It's an hour and forty five, I think, is it? it? It's about yeah. It feels it's about an hour and just over an hour and forty, I think. But how long um, does it feel? It it feels like it felt like it was at least two hours. Okay. But do you know the thing that's funny is that if the movie was two hours, the way they made it, it probably would have been better. It does feel like this has been edited to hell like it does not feel like that's another thing that's that's terrible about it is that it just doesn't have a flow to it it doesn't feel natural in the in the pacing of the story like there really doesn't feel like a conceited first second third act 
at all in this movie. You're in the third act before you even realize that you're in the third act. And then just, they just start throwing dramatic nonsense at you for, for no real reason. Mm. And you're like, Oh, okay. This must be near the end of the, Oh yeah, this is the end of the movie. Okay. All right. And then we get the post credit scenes. (laughs) Oh, now does Hitler show up? Unfortunately not. I mean, I, I don't, I don't want to spoil too much, but they get somebody from the Sony slash Marvel universe to show up in there's two post credit scenes. Um, you don't have to wait all the way to the end of the credits. Once the second one happens, the first one's like maybe, you know, 30 seconds into the credits and the second one's after a little sort of stylized So It's like even the movie can't wait to be over. So it, it gets them. Exactly. And, and it's the same person twice in these clips. <laughs> And it makes no sense because it's like it's sort of half tells a story about this person in the first one. And then in the second one, the person just shows up in full gimmick. It would be like, you know, it'd be like chatting to the guy that plays um, Delirious backstage. And he's just talk- he's just talking normally to you. And he's like, oh, hello. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Yes. Yes. Uh, yes. I, I am the guy that normally plays Delirious. And then you walk around the corner and then somehow he's around the corner in full gimmick. <laughs> right in your face. And you're like, what? 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 Where was the? There's no transition that felt normal. This is neck breaking. And, and, and neither of the things that that are talked about in it make me feel excited or interested in any way. And I just, God, stay away. Feige, please stay away from this. Do not implant Jared Leto into this world. I, I do not need this. I, I, I've Tyrese, Matt Smith, everyone should know better here. <laughs> so what can you say? Morbius. It's a real piece of shit. <laughs> In the uh, the most natural segue of my podcasting career, let's go from Jared Leto shagging bats to popular light entertainer <laughs> Richard Osman. Gareth, what have you been watching this week? Listen, I'm not going to make that connection for poor Richard Osman. I will defend the integrity of the man. There is nothing on the record that has ever suggested he has had sexual relations with any kind of creature. <laughs> nothing that says that he hasn't either. Oh, God, Just you're right. that one out there. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think you know that in this day and age, all celebrities need to make a definitive public stance on having shagged bats in the past or not. True. Or intent to shag bats in the future. I am very fond of of what I think would be called tea time quiz shows in the UK. I have watched Mm. my fair share of The Chase, a very good show. Bradley Walsh, top tier game show host, by the way, like really tremendous at that show. I honestly, one of my favorite games, game show clips to watch on youtube fanny is schmeller. the fanny schmeller yeah <laughs> yeah just just so fanny f-a-n-n-y c-h-m-e-l-l-a-r just search that on youtube and bradley walsh and just try and see a man struggle to keep it together and yeah. descend into fits and fits of laughter you know it's proper one of those where he's like face starts spasming 
you know what they're trying so hard internally to keep it but the face just completely betrays him but yeah Garrett I also agree with you on tea time quizzes in the UK they're great please tell me you've just been watching buttloads of either Pointless or Richard Osman's House of Games yeah because I would watch Pointless for a very long time I did like eventually get tired of Pointless after like 10 years it took about 10 years for me to be like you know what I think I've had my fill of Pointless uh, I've watched my share of Tipping Point I'm not sure is that air in tea time in the UK but it's 5 o'clock here so on Virgin Media or whatever um, also Eggheads which is the more intellectual of the tea time quiz shows but I don't think that's around anymore it moved to Channel 4 or something I think but mm-hmm. the, the one that is my current fixation is Richard Osmond's House of Games which I think is just a tremendous tea time quiz show just yep. so good it's so enjoyable because I, I don't want to comp- I have a lot of family members who are super into it even though I've never watched an episode yeah I don't want to compare it directly to Taskmaster because they're very 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 different beasts <laughs> but yeah it does have like that just mildly chaotic vibe to it at the best of times because the premise of House of Games is that it's four celebrities who are on the show for, for five days for the whole week and then they, they, they get an assortment of uh, wacky themed prizes based around Richard Osman's face and there's a winner crowned at the end of the week and you get double points Friday but the, the idea is every single round they play is a different round so you will have a round where the answers rhyme with each other or you'll have a round where the answers are anagrams for each other or you'll get more like high concept rounds where you have a pairs game where someone has put together a, a movie with emoji and you have to guess what the movie is based off the emoji and it always ends in answer smash which is uh, around where you're given a clue and a picture and you have to smash them together so you get like tremendous answers like quickie martina navratilova that's the kind of answer you will get on this show uh, it's very like good stuff portmanteau answers yeah, so it's shoving two things together to form tremendous answers sometimes. Like, really, just, oh, it's very clever. And the best weeks are the weeks, I think, when there is somebody on the panel who does not get the show. Because, like, the show is not your basic, here's a question, give me an answer. It's usually, like, here's a question, give me an answer in a certain fashion. Like, there's even rounds where it's, like, take the answer and multiply it by three. Or take the answer and give it to me without saying a certain word. So there are some people who just mentally do not understand how this show works. And it's sensational television. Like, my favorite is Patsy Kenseth, who was on the show and terrible at it absolutely atrocious abysmal spent the entire week sitting there like there's a bunch of buzzer rounds and she'd spend the week she wouldn't even put her hand on the buzzer she'd just sit back in the chair knowing she wouldn't get questions right it's so good (laughs) and it does have that like as i said that mild chaotic sense to it it's very like genial it's very uh uh, like good humored it's a really fun enjoyable show and like i i let them like pile up which is the reason that i've mentioned it this week because i have like 10 of them piled up and i've been going through them and it's a very fun time daytime quiz shows just the 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 wonderful thing in life you know like coincidentally this week i just because of like the youtube algorithm i've been getting like the 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 desire to start watching taskmaster from the start again (laughs) and this conversation does not help garrett i just want you to know that (laughs) because like a bunch of the people on this show generally because it's a panel of four celebrities you will nearly every week get one or two stand-up comedians so you do get a lot of people who would have been on taskmaster crossing over yeah do do you know who was great on the show who's is from the island that you reside on but the the northern part was colin murray Mm. Um, sports presenter colin murray have you (laughs) seen his his you're like a, a huge and noted colin murray fan no, I, I don't I think am, I saw his tweet, no. 
two two of my favourite people in the universe on like BBC uh, in the UK are Colin Murray and Richard Osman. So the combination of Richard Osman and Colin Murray is powerful to me. Um, and he was just awesome. But yeah, I I love. Are you saying you don't love Colin Murray? Oh no, no, I'm a fan, but I just know that like this <laughs> I was going to th- turn heel on you then. How this dare is, you? <laughs> this is the latest in I would have to say double figures worth of conversations where you've brought up how much you love Colin Murray. (laughs) I have never heard Colin Murray talk about Colin Murray as much as you have. Colin Murray had one of the best concepts for a podcast that no longer exists and it sucks. So it was called Blood on the Tracks and he'd get like four or five people on the show and he'd score each round, but you'd just pick a song for a particular occasion, i.e., you know, if I was doing this podcast i'd be like right pick a song to be your entrance music if you were a wrestler you know pick a song that you'd want as the last night uh the last song of the night at a party that you were hosting you know pick a song that is the perfect accompaniment to like a summer day or whatever and it was so so good and and they stopped making it and i think it was under the bbc umbrella but i just think and it doesn't have to be colin murray specifically even though as we know i love colin murray it should be (laughs) It could be anyone takes the concept of this and just makes it into a really cool either panel like TV show or or continue on doing a podcast or like a YouTube thing or something because I just think it's such a great idea for a show and it, it's a good way to kind of for people to A, kind of get their personalities across but B, you know, it's a good way to discover songs that you might not hear in other contexts. Especially, I love the best episodes where they had generations of people on the show um, and they were bringing like stuff from like 60s, 70s all the way up to things that were released like a few weeks ago. I just, and I think that's, it's just such a good idea but yeah, that's, uh, sorry, uh, that's Colin Murray, uh, the guy that I really like, Colin Murray. Anyway, sorry, Gary. That's what Jack's been watching this week. Just calm her. Yeah. yeah. And Morbius. Piece of shit. Yeah. Uh, I, I've just got a, a bit of a whistle stop tour because, Mark, you haven't watched anything. Um, so I watched, I've been watching like a lot of movies on, uh, on my little lockdown. Um, and some of the things I, I want to mention on the show. Firstly, I watched, I don't know why, it's probably because Doctor Strange 2 is on the horizon, so I've been thinking about Sam Raimi a lot. And I watched his Spider-Man trilogy, um, or I started watching his Spider-Man trilogy again not long ago. I still haven't got up the uh, the the minerals to watch Spider-Man 3 again. But uh, I decided to go back and watch all the Evil Dead movies. So I watched Evil Dead, Evil Dead 2, then Army of Darkness, and then also for the first time, the 2013 remake of Evil Dead, just called Evil Dead. Um, and I'll tell you what, it's gonna be, it's gonna be really interesting to see what Doctor Strange looks like because Sam Raimi is a guy with such a unique visual style and such a sense of like. He is one of the best modern directors at being able to do like a scary film or do like something dark or serious, but also have a profound sense of wackiness to everything. Um, the original Evil Dead is like a, a like a like a rough, unpolished diamond. Do you know what I mean? It's 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 made for fuck all money. You can tell, like, it's relatively amateurish in a lot of its production, but it's got a, a huge amount of charm to it. Um, 
and it's a bit more serious. Evil Dead 2, for like for anybody that isn't uh, an, an Evil Dead person, Evil Dead 2 is essentially a remake of the first one, just with more money. And it's got more of uh, what now would be considered a typical like Sam Raimi sensibility out of it, because it is a bit wackier, a bit zanier. The performances are turned up to 11, possibly 12 in Bruce Campbell's case. Um, and then Army of Darkness is just like batch it like fully fucking batch it like the last half hour of evil dead 2 is wild and crazy but uh army of darkness it just it starts out crazy and gets crazier and like if if you didn't know because the studio uh seemingly didn't want army of darkness to come off like it was a sequel to the evil dead and that that is um patently obvious looking at some elements of it um but yeah they they they're just insane movies and it's funny looking back um on like the original evil dead was one of the classic video nasties that was banned in the UK um for a long period of time during that era and i always find with most of the the kind of classic video nasties going back to them now how relatively quaint they are you know like yeah. how and obviously tame, like isn't it yeah like there there's probably and i think Raimi and other people have talked about it as well but like there's one scene in evil dead one that i think is like i can see how a lot of people would consider that beyond the pale um and that would be the scene involving the tree i will say no more on that um yeah but the rest of it is just kind of like yeah, I don't know. I like I just don't see it. The the kind of like we need to ban this sick filth. Like it really it it really shows what a puritanical streak came out uh, in Britain during that period because yeah, like you said, Jack, especially by modern standards it's quite tame. But even then, I imagine removing that one scene and it's quite like you know, nothing exceptionally it, horrific. It. You're saying Britain under Thatcher's Tory rule yeah, was I know, puritanical? Right? Yeah, I think what was the like evil, evil Dead one was, uh, the Evil Dead was like 1981, I think. Um, yeah, and she, she, she was shat into the Prime Minister job in 1979, so yeah. yeah. Um, so then I come around to 2013's Evil Dead, and it's a, it's a really weird film, and it's kind of like... I want to say it's kind of like that Netflix Texas Chainsaw Massacre that just came out. Uh, maybe not even reaching those heights. In as much as I think it looks very well shot. The gore and the kills are pretty fucking gnarly looking in The Evil Dead. Of this, I cannot complain. But it is stripped of all charm and all self-awareness and it takes itself so fucking seriously that it just like it goes down like a fart in church for me and the thing about the original Evil Dead movies is that even if you're trying to reboot it and not necessarily compare yourself directly to the original, you always are going to. And when you don't have Bruce Campbell's ash, you better have characters that are at least somewhat interesting. And none of the characters in that 
2013 Evil Dead are remotely interesting. They try to do a slightly different twist on why the kids are out in the cabin. You know, there's like a a family story being told about a sister who's recovering from addiction and the, the close network of people around her, her brother and his friends are bringing her out into this cabin so she can go cold turkey and she's the first one to realise about the malevolent force that's out there and she's trying to get out but everybody thinks it's her like hallucinating or trying to lie to them. So at first they're the ones that are trapping her there and then the you know the the uh the malevolent force from the uh the necronomicon uh is, is you know starts to exact its toll on them all there um so like i think that started out with the kernel of an interesting twist on it but like none of these characters they are fucking paper thin and not in the kind of um deliberately paper thin uh, way that some slasher movie fodder characters are. It's just like they clearly tried and just had nothing. Uh, it was really, really disappointing. Um, I feel like all quite- the um, all like the horror franchises follow that same like timeline trajectory of like they start with a relatively yeah. serious movie as you go through the sequels and sequels and sequels, they get sillier and dumber because they kind of have to. They can't make like super yeah. serious stuff. Then in like the 2010s, there was that like, oh, it's the grounded gritty reboot here where we're taking it very yeah. seriously. Yeah. And sometimes you get like good entries. Like that first chapter of the It reboot a few years ago was great. I loved that. But more often than not, yeah, you're dead right, Gar. You get things like this 2013 Evil Dead or do you remember when they rebooted The Omen with Lee Schreiber and Naomi Watts as the parents? Yep. Or and the Elm Street that, that era as well is very Oh, serious. with Jack- Jackie Earl Haley as as yeah. Freddy. Yeah. Um so yeah, it's just like it's just a real Again, if you're if you're really into your gore and your practical effects and stuff like that, I think you'll enjoy some visual elements of it. Oh, and yeah, this is the other thing. I was trying to think about what I wrote in my letterbox review about it. There's this they try to do a a motif in the score for the film where like everything every time that like something bad is starting to go down there's this recurring sound of like sirens and it just it, they are extremely annoying noises um they are trying to make it, it sound like ominous and um like the the coming of doom into this movie but like it it comes off as an extremely self-serious version of like the ironside sirens in uh in kill bill like you know that in Kill Bill, that's that that Ironside Siren knows what it's there for. It's quite self-aware, but this is just like, look how cool this movie is. But it's it's ex- extremely annoying, <laughs> extremely annoying. Um, yeah, just flat and fucking lifeless. Um, but props to the the uh, effects and set design department. They at least did some solid work on this. Um, speaking of of disappointing movies, uh, it dropped on uh, Disney Plus yesterday. But I watched Death on the Nile. Um, I I was somebody who like when I say I was a high man, it's not like I gave it four or five stars or anything like that. But I quite enjoyed the the Murder on the Orient Express from a couple of years ago. Actually, be more the burger on the Orient Express. Yeah, I enjoyed it, and I enjoyed uh, Kenneth Branagh chewing scenery scenery away as Hercule Poirot um, chewing that burger. Yeah, I do you know I like I feel like already I I graded this too high um, at three stars and might go back and take a star off it. Um, 
because the what, more death I in the Nile or <laughs> yeah death in the Nile um because it's you know Mark kind of you you talked about it before on the show Mark when you saw it but I didn't truly digest how unbelievably seriously the mustache origins portion of this movie takes itself like <laughs> holy shit this is like they is like they pulled the opening 15 minutes of this movie from 1917 and, and then just yeah. went back to fucking wacky times it kind of felt like it would be a really serious almost like schindler's listian take on a world war one movie didn't yeah. it for like the first 10 minutes and then down, they just went into it going oh look at my tiny desserts yeah. look down. how small they are i can <laughs> only have six not seven fucking uh, take one away uh, my face I, I i said like when i reviewed this that maria was sitting next to me sitting like going, oh are we seeing the right film is this the correct film because yeah. yeah it's it, the juxtaposition between that and then what the rest of the film is is that what the fuck is going on here but also like the bad de-aging cg on, yeah. on kenneth Branagh, uh you know his face being like and <laughs> his face being messed up and then like <laughs> you're one step short of like both of the mean mugging into the camera when your one just goes well i guess you'll have to grow a mustache as like you know smash forward to the events of the movie it's like oh fuck that's oh, when they should have they should have played the iron side thing at that point though as well i should have turned off the fucking movie to be honest because like after that it's just like a how really... bad is gal Gadot, by the way Oh, like, look, you know, I think we've said it on this show before, like, whoever the casting director is that picked her as Wonder Woman didn't earn enough, because it's literally the one role I've ever seen her in where it's like, oh my god, she's brilliant. Like, everything else, it's just like, how is this person earning this much money to do this? You know, um, yeah, it's it, she's horrendous. That overly earnest thing only works for a superhero, right? Where yeah. she's just like, oh, you know, everything is the most important thing. You try and do that like in a real movie, and you just come across like a fake human being. And and do you know, I should have known how bad she was going to be in the movie when they show that clip in the trailer about her talking about we have enough champagne to fill the Nile and throws the, the champagne. And I was like, that is a horrendous line read. And that's what they showed in the trailer. That's the bit they were confident enough to show in the fucking trailer. How bad must she be in this movie? And she is fucking horrendous. But she, my friends, is not the only one. This is like a... a it's like... I imagine Kenneth Branagh's direction for this movie was like, okay, pick an accent out of this hat. No, no, weirder. No, no, weirder. (laughs) (laughs) Because it is... No, no, less convincing, but weirder. (laughs) Yeah. It, it, It is amateur hour. From people I have seen and enjoyed in other things... It is like the most hammy, like um, community fair accent contest I've ever seen. Um, some of that now I know this isn't entirely their fault because there was a lot of the reshoots happened during COVID. But this is maybe the one of those films I've seen where it is most obvious how seldom people are in the same room as each other. The amount of yeah. shots where clearly that person isn't there. 
you know, like the, you know, there's a scene when the movie actually opens after Mustache Origins, there's a scene at the pyramids that clearly, you know, that that's bad enough. And I thought, okay, look, you know, maybe COVID and everything and, you know, you're probably not allowed film that close to the pyramids anyway. That's fine. That's fine. Uh, but then there are umpteen scenes in this movie where there's like, um, you know, close up on one actor where you have the fuzzy back of Kenneth Branagh's head. And it's absolutely 100% not him. Like, you know, it's no, clearly... It could have been Mark. Yeah, it could it could have been fucking anybody. Um, yeah. So the... And, it's one of those things that because it's a big, like, and I know even without COVID, it's tough to coordinate the schedules of so many people that I'm sure are quite busy. But when it's a big ensemble thing, the joy of it is having them all together and bouncing off each other. And because you're blocking everybody so separately for most of this movie, the result is there's no feeling of chemistry between almost anybody in this. There's no scenes that are in any way engaging in a way that two human beings having a conversation normally would be. It's it's just again it's another movie kind of like I it's the word I used to describe that 2013 Evil Dead it's just flat you know compared to like I, I comparatively Murder in the Orient Express was a romp because everybody you know was together or another kind of murder mystery movie we all love on the show uh, Knives Out Knives Out is great because you have all those different characters and some of them doing in at least one case an outrageously wild accent. But it works because everybody's together and everybody's vibing off each other and there's real chemistry between the actors. Rian Johnson picked really well with his cast on that one. Um, Dave, I just want to bet with myself that you would mention Knives Out before the end of the step of the Of course I would. Of course I would. Um, It's classic. Um, But yeah, that's like, I'm really, you know, I kind of gave it three because I was so entertained and as I said to Mark uh, on Twitter entertained not in the way they intended by Mustache Origins because I was wildly entertained by it but they were dead serious about it it was not played for laughs and I was in tears at the idea that they would have an origin story for a mustache and then obviously you know they have the uh they have the the payoff for the mustache thing where it's, you know he he starts to discover his self worth and maybe he gets rid of the mustache at the end of this. Um, yeah, I just like uh, it was bad. But can guys. we please shout out French and Saunders though? Because yeah. I, I thought French and Saunders were wonderful in it. Yeah, yeah, they're great. Yeah, that 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 was my main positive, and and the fact that I do think the way it was shot, like all of the 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 scenes of the Nile and the boat and the just and how. By the way, I know it was stupid, but how good, aside from the the aging thing, how good did that sort of Criterion Collection seventies World War One movie look that Kenneth Branagh made yeah. that had no yeah. context in the movie? Yeah. Like as a director, that guy has so much He's talent, visual style, yeah, hundred percent. Um, oh, by the way, can I say just in terms of uh, shot composition, one bit where I was watching this like on Disney Plus uh, in my in my office here, and one part that made me by myself shout "fuck off" at the screen is there is a shot of um, Gal Gadot in this where she is like. Um, posing in a way to resemble a figure from ancient Egypt and it is so hammy and awful and on the nose that I I just shouted at my TV in it um it was <laughs> it was tremendously bad it's also very awkward seeing uh 
uh, noted cannibal uh, army <laughs> in a movie. Uh, now it's it's yeah. it's very very strange. Um, although I will say, actually, maybe the only person who I I think came out of it with with um, not glowing reviews for me, but at least like didn't harm her reputation anyway, is uh, I can't I don't know if her her name is pronounced Emma Mackey or Mackay or from her off Sex Education. She's she's pretty decent in it uh, as the the jilted yeah. former lover of noted cannibal Army Hammer. Um. Yeah, she was great. Yeah, she all of the the clothing choices for her. I know this is probably a weird thing, but again, like yeah. the wardrobe and the makeup yeah, in this movie, yeah. are, it, it literally looks like a, a perfect picture yeah. book of and, what you want a Hollywood movie to look like. And maybe the one bit of like enjoyable back and forth acting in it are the couple of scenes she has with Kenneth Branagh. Mm, yeah, um, those Agreed. are the bits where I like the the most earnest communication between two people. Because there is what, like, the, the film was almost immediately derailed about three minutes in for me when I saw her and I was like, oh, she's really good in sex education. Then she proceeds to have an incredibly terrible and stilted conversation with Gal Gadot. <laughs> and I was like, oh, no, no, no. But anyway, that's that's enough on that. I've already What's given What's worse, though? Is it is it Rose, Rose Leslie's French oh my accent? God. Her outrageous Jen- accent. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay. I mean, it is proper. Uh, like she's chomping cloves of garlic off camera in between. <laughs> Every line yeah. says, oh, just let me put down my baguettes and then I will tell you how I feel. <laughs> like it's... Yeah, I know, man. Uh, yeah, it's, it's either that or, or Jennifer Saunders kind of gives up on an American accent halfway through the movie, I feel like. She yeah. starts out trying to do it and then she's just like, nah, I'm, I'm, I'm phoning this in from here on out. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck, I forgot about Rose Leslie's French accent. <laughs> so oh, dear. It's amazing that there's so many positives and so many negatives in the same movie. You can't oh, say mate. it's not a fascinating watch. Oh, mate. Yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, uh, the one thing I'll briefly mention as well before we go to games, because um, I'm, I'm not going to say a lot about it. Uh, it's a movie called Fresh. Um... And it stars Daisy Edgar-Jones, who was on Normal People and got a lot of plaudits for that. I still haven't seen Normal People. Um, and Sebastian Stan. And it is Ooh, a movie. Interested. It's on Disney+. Plus. It is a movie about girl unlucky in love, about to pack it in. She's frustrated with dating apps. Like, there's a bit very, like, one thing I can't say is there's a bit about two minutes into the movie where, like, to... Uh, compound her frustration with dating apps and just the concept of men in general. There's a bit where she thinks she's, you know, having an enjoyable conversation with somebody and then he just flat out sends her a dick pic. Um, And she's like, oh, fuck. And then she runs into this guy, played by Sebastian Stan, Steve, um, in a supermarket and they hit it off and, you know, they start a bit of a dalliance. And then things happen. That is where I will leave it. I don't want to say any more about this movie. I don't want you to, if you're interested in this, I don't want anybody to look up what this movie is about. I just want you to go on Disney Plus and press play on Fresh because I think the movie hits better the less you know about it. Um, Perfect. I think this is my favourite thing I've seen Sebastian Stan do. 
Um, Have you watched Pam and Tommy yet? No, I haven't yet. Oh, he plays a fantastic dickhead in, in, he, in Pam and Tommy. He gets to do a lot with this role, um, is the best way I can put it. And it's a real good showcase for him. Um, I think, like, it's... Some of the kind of, the, like, the, the themes it, it's hitting on, I really enjoyed the way it went about it. Um, the performances, the two key performances, are, are really good. This, there isn't much of a supporting cast, but I think they're pretty decent as well. Uh, the film looks gorgeous. Um, and it's just a very unexpected movie for me to be watching on Disney+. Plus. That is the last thing I will say about it. Maybe somewhere down the line, if I rewatch it or one of you guys watch it, uh, we can talk about it in more detail. Uh, but I don't want to spoil it on anybody here that's thinking about watching it. But also because it only dropped on Disney+, Plus, I think in the last week or two, anybody that's listening that might want to watch it. So go watch Fresh. That gets a... V- of... You know, between if you're going to watch that or Death of the Nile of things that showed up on Disney Plus this week, watch Fresh for fuck's sake. Don't do yourself a disservice. Um, right, let's move into video games. Um, I think because we've all played a bit of Kirby, let's save that for the end and we'll all kind of do it together. So let's go to Mark first with his non-Kirby game. Yo, yeah, this is definitely not a curvy game, the the other thing I've been playing. Uh, so I started today, uh, I've played about a little bit, it's about half an hour of a, a point-and-click narrative game called Norco um, that had been doing the rounds and getting some really, really strong reviews uh, that is currently available on Game Pass. And it is, it's not... I wouldn't say a dystopian style future that this game is set in, but it's certainly a future that is is worn down, that is on the brink of being broken economically, like industrial-wise, environmentally, definitely. Definitely there's uh, some themes uh, that are being explored there. It's set in the town of Norco, Louisiana, which is a real place. Uh, and it's kind of... It's, it's like... Currently, and maybe this is way off from what it would be like, but I'm kind of getting like Blade Runner, but if it was set in the bayou, um, it's, and certainly with like the visual style of it. Um, bayou Runner? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, I do declare that man is a replicant. <laughs> uh, it uses this pixel art style, but it's not pixel like, art. Like, in like, te- like tears and them down rain. <laughs> you, you get to throw me away off track here. Um, I'm just, it's sorry, pixel I'm just art, thinking not... about B- Boomhauer and Blade Runner. <laughs> there you go with Dang 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 Game Tower Rail Corporation, Dang Dang. I wish I'd really picked a different comparison to make. Yeah, so uh, it uses a it uses a pixel art style, but it's not done in the kind of like typical Mario Sonic style of pixel art. It's more. Um, there was a game last year called like uh, a Ouija um, that used. It. It's hard to describe, but you'll see it, and it's it's got more of a kind of picture book like esque quality to it. It kind of it's it's very reminiscent of like a nineties uh, rom. Uh, style sort of presentation to it but I think it looks incredible at points um, it's very picturesque 
Um, it's really worth looking out. It's got a great atmosphere to it that is this combination of the, the soundtrack which again has, you know, the, there's that like Blade Runner-esque vibe to it at points. Um, and your character, she uh, comes home after uh, running away from home about five years ago. Um, her mum has recently passed away from cancer and her brother has disappeared. And I'm too early in, into the game, but I'm guessing there is a lot of like there's something bigger at play here and you need to kind of explore what's going on. So, um I don't have more than that at the moment. Like it's it's a game where you know it's 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 a game that is written. You know, there's a lot of, of like exposition going on here, but it's it's a very well written game. Um, and I'm really curious to see where it goes. And just even when this kind of first twenty minutes, half an hour, the uh, the just the, the kind of atmosphere, the tone of it is uh, it's really drawing me in. Like it's the kind of game where I just want to switch the lights off, have a big TV in front of me and just kind of get absorbed in this world. Um, so yeah, uh, I, I don't know how long it is, um, but I'll probably, you know, I'll, I'll definitely have more to say next week about it, but I'm really just, the, the tone that it's setting, uh, I'm, I'm really being drawn into at the moment. So yeah, hopefully next week I'll have more to say about it. There's nothing better than the aesthetic and feel of a game just hooking you in i think um it, it it's it's on another level above music or or film or anything doing that it just because you're controlling the narrative yourself like you genuinely feel a key cog in what's happening around you in this set, setting so um i kind of like the sound of where this is going i look forward to to, to it going in, in in a good direction yeah and actually I, I think a comparison it's it's kind of like I, 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 it's not in any way like similar in terms of tone, but there's something kind of like akin to Hotline Miami in its presentation. Um, mm. Certainly, like its graphical style. Like when I think of kind of like pixel art, I think Hotline Miami is actually a good representation. But this is more picturesque. Like it does a lot more with like the backdrops um, and stuff. Like there's a couple of scenes where you can see out like you're sort of on the edge of the town, and you can see this giant industrial plant in the background, and the way it just kind of presents itself. There was a game I talked about last year called Backbone. Um, that this is quite similar to and it's published by the same uh, publisher Raw Fury uh, and there's kind of some similar trappings I can see between them and I don't know I feel like if Hotline Miami actually had you know was like a an exposition game and not just like pure action that maybe this is something it would have kind of pulled from I don't know um, but yeah just again it's on Game Pass you know grab it just kind of sit down with it um, I'm playing on PC with a mouse because again it's like a it's, it's kind of like a point and click adventure like gameplay wise there isn't that much there at the moment mechanically it is just a lot of like go to this area hold this per I need to get a fuse for this person to fix this um, yeah nothing too kind of like mechanically heavy at the moment but uh, yeah Again, uh, I'll try and get to it next week with, with more, hopefully. Gareth, tell us the tale of the Tarnished. I'm, I'm done. I'm free. I have beaten the Elden Ring twice. I've beaten it twice <laughs> since we last recorded. You're a you, sick you, freak. You, you beat it and then you replayed the whole thing again. So last week, if you remember, I was talking about how there's not a like 10 hour version of Elden Ring you can play. I was wrong. Yeah. Turns out there's New Game Plus. <laughs> Which, uh, when I finished Elden Ring, I'm like, oh, I'll dabble in New Game Plus a little, 
but I was so much stronger than everything, like so much more powerful than literally everything in the game, that just for the sheer power fantasy of it, I played the <laughs> entire game again, like critical path. It. I didn't change my build. I didn't change how I played just for me to get my revenge on the game, the cathartic experience of taking out my own revenge on the game. I just beat the entire game again. I was going to say, were you trying to, like, expel some emotional <laughs> anguish from 85 hours of this fucking thing? like, my build was basically very, like, strength and defense heavy, or and health and defense heavy, so I can, I can literally just stand there and hit things till they die in New Games Plus. Like, no jeopardy. I'm not going to die. I'm going to be able to just hit things till they die. It was so nice to just go through the game. It took me, like, five hours to just go from the start of the game to the end, critical path it, get an ending beat all these bosses that just caused me hell. Like, there were two toward the end of the game in particular that caused me a lot of difficulty. Just destroyed them. Just revenge. The pure revenge coming out in me to play this game again. So, legitimately, if you do struggle to the end, if you do beat Elden Ring, just jump into New Game Plus. It'll be so nice. You'll go, you know, the tree sentinel at the start, the thing on the horse that's outside the starting area. You'll just kill it in four hits. It'll die immediately. It's so satisfying. Can I can I come down to Cork for the weekend and just play your save file a bit and get that version of Elden Ring for you me? Jump into because yeah. the, the way they work is that, like they do multiple new game pluses. So if you beat the game, you can do like new game plus two, which obviously makes the game a little harder again. And you can keep new game plusing until I, I think it goes up to eight, but I'm not sure. You can just keep on going to new game plus and new game plus, or they they scale the game up constantly to make it harder. And you know the, the, you know how new game plus works, but yeah, you can just play through new game plus two. I did new game plus and play new game plus one you can do two i just want your file so i can do new game plus one <laughs> it's <laughs> then i can finish it i know what the story is I, i've done the oh, whole to, to be fair you'll finish the game I, you won't know what the story is all <laughs> oh, right i got goddamn whomped by a giant bear this week ah the bears i'm not gonna i'm not gonna dwell too long uh on talking about my Elden ring experience like i i haven't really uh, played too much of it because of the other game I'm going to talk about in a second but uh, I did uh, beat my first kind of like mini boss um, which is like the Erdtree Burial Watchdog it was like my first one of those where I couldn't just run away because I'd gone in and then I got stuck in the loop of oh I've uh, I've lost my shit I gotta go back and just keep beating this guy till he's gone or I'm saying goodbye to several thousand Um so yeah, eventually beat him. So that's given me a little bit more confidence. And again, I'm doing the the Garrett thing of like, you know, when in doubt, just get on the horse and just keep on riding around away from danger. And uh, yeah, it's still a world I, I really like being in. I'm just very bad at staying in. Um, so yeah, there's that. I reached the um, YouTube lore video stage of playing Elden Ring. And it's the same with all from software games. It's just like, you know, the, the lore and story of these games are so opaque deliberately that they're they're literally, I think, meant to be community puzzles. Like what happens in these games is meant to be put together by a group of people not really understood yeah. yourself entirely playing through the game yourself, unless you play like mm. meticulously, which I don't think anyone really wants to do. So I, I legitimately enjoyed yeah. the experience of like playing through a from game, then just going to YouTube. It's like, yep, tell me the story. Oh, that's what that meant. Oh, that's kind of huh. cool. <laughs> Ooh, interesting. So, Mark, you can just do the lore video bit and then just bluff it. <laughs> you know what? It's not the worst mm. idea. The game has yeah. cool lore. Mm. Um, uh, yeah, but again, like the lore is probably the bit that I'm going to be the least interested in anyway. 
Yeah. Um, I, this week, finished Dying Light 2, uh, which I refuse to oh, call wow. by its full name. You know, every everything about the game, uh, you know, the, the branding on it is that the full name is Dying Light 2 Stay Human. No, it's just Dying Light 2. Thank you very much. Um, supposedly, yeah, supposedly, as, as um, they said themselves in the promotional material, that will take 500 hours to 100%. So I mostly just critical pathed it. I did like a, a nice sampling of all the different um, side stuff so that I feel like I get a, a good view on it. And I'm starting to notice between this and... F- Horizon Forbidden West, which is the next one I want to knock off my list, my backlog, that the theme of 2022 is games that take a fucking dog's age to get going. My biggest complaint so far about Horizon is that the tutorial period of that game or the, you know, the training wheels period of that game is several hours long. Um, and it doesn't feel like it really lets you loose for a long, long time in that game. And I kind of, you know, the last time I talked about Dying Light, I kind of said that too about that game, where like the opening big area in that game is only the kind of, this is the area where we're teaching you to play the game and the actual big open world, the central loop as it's called in in, in the game, uh, doesn't come at you for several hours. Um, and also like the coolest uh, gadgets and the, the glider and your kind of upgrades to help you with kind of like traversal and wall running and things like that don't really come to you until you're in the central loop. So that opening Do you know period, the irony is, Dave, but yeah. I was going to say the irony is, Dave, you said that about tutorials and games this year. The one that really needs one, Elden yeah. Ring, has yeah. none whatsoever. Yeah. You just die and then you're out in a world. And if you're like me, you're terrified. Yeah. <laughs> just cowering away. <laughs> exactly. Um, the Like, a- again, I think like I was maybe over six hours in, in this. And it, like, it's a reasonably big area, but you're not doing anything too varied or too exciting in it. Um. And you don't feel like the the thing that was great about the first Dying Light was that exhilaration about like one, how big the world was two how in a very Breath of the Wild way, one wrong turn or one wrong building entered and you got in a lot of hot water very quickly. And just it was a game about that rush of adrenaline trying to escape and the parkour felt great and the melee combat felt great. Um, and it never felt like um hugely unfair um in the way that like you're not just suddenly kind of like to invoke Elden Ring again it's not like you kind of just you're running you're running and then out of absolutely nowhere a zombie comes and one shots you there's there's nothing like that in it it always feels like you have a reasonable amount of a fighter's chance to get away um and in that opening area I felt like everything was kind of too sparse and too hands off and not the kind of level of intensity and because I hadn't upgraded too much my stamina wasn't too high I didn't have my glider and the buildings are kind of not terribly tall um I felt like I'm not enjoying my parkour as much in this because it's a lot of jumping along one or two story buildings woo um 
But as soon as I got to the central way, can anyone hear parkour without thinking of the office? Nope. Honestly. Nope. I, I, I just can't. Every time you said it, I just want to go, parkour! parkour. I for one thing of the John Sorry. Morrison segment on his DVD from like 10 years ago <laughs> where he does a bunch of parkour. Yes. Yes. Okay. Um, <laughs> but yeah. I... I <laughs> the other thing I'll say is that like once you do get to that central loop and the game does take the stabilizers off it, Dying Light 2 is a lot of fun like I, I I think this game will end up by the time we get to game of the year I don't know if it will be in my top 10 I think ultimately for a lot of people it's going to fall into that it's better than a ham sandwich game but it's not the absolute home run game of the year for a lot of people but i feel like it got up as is this your far cry 6 like for me last year i i I don't know um because i like i'm more into it than i'm into far cry games um, but in no, terms I mean, of like, like say so for me last year like I because I, you loved the Dying Light games I, I yeah, regarded man. Far Cry games and I I really really liked Far Cry last year but I could have no straight face on making an yeah. argument for it in Game of the Year but it also was so much more fun than a ham sandwich yeah. so I, it's almost like I don't suggest we do another category especially now we have Garrett yeah. to add to the discussions <laughs> this year but I would love that like if we could yeah. each present like one game per year that we we were like, look, this ain't going to hey, win any awards, but I really like this game, hey, TM hey, Award. Hey, Mark, uh, good idea to pop in the design doc is maybe we could make that a theme of our written pieces this year. The shit that uh, we know isn't winning shit, but we want to give awards to. Uh, <laughs> the I shit mean, that won't win shit award. Yeah, in, yeah. in fairness, like, uh, those blog pieces, like, you can do whatever the fuck you want with them, mm. so... yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you should have just done top Far Cry 6 games last year, Jack, and just done Far Cry 6 10 times. No, what would have been amazing is top Far Cry 6 games. Spots 2 to 10, right? <laughs> what, what Far Cry 6 and then 1 was Hitman 3. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it, like, it feels like something that I think a lot more people would be into if you could get me to call around the house and just blitz through the first five or six hours and then just hand it to you. I mean, you do you fancy right, it? Here's the, here's the open world with all the shit in it and all the various different types of uh, infected. And there's like really cool... Um, there's like some really cool side activities that have uh, interesting difficulty curves to them. So there's these things called like um, dark zones and it's areas that have been clearly like cordoned off by a dying light equivalent of a CDC. Like they're in tents and there's like big, you know, huge metal doors and like don't fucking go in here. Um, And as soon as you go in, because the whole thing is, you know, there's some slow moving infected out on the streets during the day, but by and large traveling, you know, on the ground level during the day is going to be okay. Uh, Whereas the real hard bastards that you're not going to be able to stand and fight come out at night. So when you go into the dark zones, it tells you, you might want to wait until nighttime to go in here because all the scary infected are in here during the day so you can do it one of two ways because if you just want the upgrades that are in there or the the weapons or the items that are in there and you don't want to potentially get absolutely chomped to bits by infected you could just sleep it off till night and then go in and you know there's a few zombies around but it's it's not too bad or 
you know, if you fancy yourself a challenge, now you've got this kind of like labyrinthine building where, like I said last week, you've got that clock ticking down that when you're in the dark and away from a UV light source, you it's a ticking clock until you yourself become infected. Now, you can get these inhalers to boost your thing, but they're a finite resource. Um, so you're against the clock and you're in this um, enclosed space that is tough to navigate and all the hard bastards are in there if you go in during the day. So it's a nice kind of meaty challenge for someone like me who has played these games before um, and, you know, feels a bit more confident. And, and that's how, you know, there are some missions in the game that's like, no, this is a night activity. You have to do it at night. But I appreciate that that's something that's kind of changed up from the first game where a lot of those optional activities are like, you know, you have to do it a day or you have to do it at night. Whereas this is kind of, you know, you decide your level of challenge. And, you know, I, I actually, from a game design standpoint, I, I thought that was a, a really cool little idea. Um, I, it's funny because I thought with, when I was playing through that initial area in Villador, I thought that, oh, I'm just going to trade this in as soon as I'm done with it. Um, but now I'm like, I've beaten it. And I kind of think I'm going to keep it around because it feels like something that I can just, you know, stick on a podcast or stick on a movie on the laptop and just go in and absentmindedly brain zombies with hammers for a couple of hours. Um, yeah, it's a fun little game. Uh, don't, don't think by any stretch of the imagination I'll platinum it or anything like that because... There's a lot of shit to do in that world, uh, but it's really good. And it's a good video game glider. You know, very few games, as we've talked about in the podcast before, nail the glider thing that everybody's intent on doing since Breath of the Wild. But this is a pretty decent glider. You know what game does have a good glider? What's that? Kirby and the Forgotten oh, Land. Those, those levels uh, wrong. You know game, I was going to say, Joe, you know game doesn't. Yes, they uh, do. That's for, for uh, Horizon Forbidden West, which I'll talk about next week. Terrible uh, hideous yeah. glider. Ugh. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, let's talk Kirby. Uh, I've just started it and I am absolutely adoring this game. And Mouthful Mode is even better than I had hoped it would be. But gentlemen, you've all been playing it a bit more than I have. So I will cede the floor to you guys. Let's let's get a quick uh, roundup here. Where are we at currently? Uh, finished it last night. Uh, I, I think like... I'm in like the fourth or fifth world. I am in the, I think it's the sixth or seventh world. It's like the kind of volcano area, which I presume is like the last world or round the, the last, last world. I imagine. Right. Okay. Oh, it's a fucking volcano. It, it seems like it, like there, there's a, there's a significant ramp up in difficulty with that particular area. Uh, and certainly some of the, the, like the rare stone, the rare stars, whatever the hell the they treasure are. Caves. Uh, the treasure caves. Yes. Yeah. Some of those like in that last area, gave me a little bit of trouble because yeah, i haven't played uh, a bunch of those because i was I, I knew i was i was in that same volcano world last night and i was like listen there's probably like four levels left in this game i'm going to ignore all these treasure things popping up and, and finish the game so i have a few of those to go back to i haven't played most of those last world ones i like those i think they're really like it's very much like we created cool mechanics but can't really use them all in in, in as interesting ways as we'd like to in the levels so we've come up with these little challenge rooms that we can use the mechanics for it's neat yeah, they're they're really good, and I like the 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 fact that you know you can try and get the the optimum time that it asks for, but like the rewards for doing it are so insubstantial. There's like most of the time I you know I didn't get anywhere near the 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 
the desired time is like ah fuck it whatever just i've completed it onto the next thing uh but yeah that's what i love about switch games in general though i think the fact that switch games don't have trophies and achievements is better for me as a person that sometimes gets really hooked on trying to like 100 percent stuff or whatever like just from my ocd perspective so yeah i, I i've not been doing i always either. do have the same process in games like this as well where it's like world one i'm like all right there's 10 waddle d's in all these levels i'm gonna get the waddle d's and then like yeah. midway through world one it's like i'm actively ruining my enjoyment of this game by trying to get all these goddamn waddle d's <laughs> yep first time i missed one i was so fucked <laughs> off about it but I, I will say this like the, the game is by no means challenging enough where you're you know like spending hours in one area just like where the fuck have they hidden this thing you know if some of them you might need to kind of look at the screen at other parts of the screen where you're like oh there's a tunnel that i didn't see before or there's like a kind of like a, that that sort of sparkly uh post effect that they use where that indicates that it you know will show a bunch of coins that leads to like a secret area um my one issue i have i guess is that sometimes you're like you might miss something in a particular area and there's no like you know try this specific section again like if you want to get back to a something that you missed you have to do the whole level over again and the levels aren't particularly long but it would be nice if it just kind of like start this section again sort of uh checkpoint system would be good just to you know clear up areas in that yeah, kind of manner of death, yeah. like that would yeah, yeah, yeah. You just it would make like the incentive to get everything in a level that just a little bit more like there, I guess. And you also you don't know what all the challenges are because when you beat a level, if you don't complete all the challenges, it'll unlock one of them on the end screen. It'll be like, oh, here's yeah. one of the ones you missed, so you can go back and do it. But yeah, like I, I as I said, I finished it. I still have some post game stuff and some of those challenge rooms to do. Like if I were to have two quibbles. I think Kirby's movement speed slightly too slow, but I get it because it's a game aimed at kids, so I understand why he maybe he was a little on the wrong side of slower. And I would have liked maybe a couple more mouthful transformations in the game, but otherwise, it's just just a very charming, delightful, pleasant experience. That uh, actually, on the topic of the Waddle Dee's, my favorite part of the game because it's usually something I hate. As, as, as documented on this podcast so far, they do gate progress behind the Waddle Dee collection, but the numbers are so. <laughs> yeah. comically low (laughs) that it is literally (laughs) physically impossible not to meet it because i think that the the requirement for the last world was 25 and you get three by default beating every level so i think you have by default at least 75 ish just by getting to that gate where it's like oh you need 25 to get past this one i enjoyed that yeah, it reminds me of the Tony Hawk's like thing where you know you need to do like two goals to unlock the next level or something in the original Tony Hawk games. Very easy. What do you guys feel about the Waddle Dees? Like, I I don't know. At first, I was like, okay, these are cute. There was a point where I was kind of like, I'm fucking fed up of saving you guys. You're not really helping me here. You're not really doing anything. You're just sitting there. Well, and then I started loving them again. In fairness, like, so I played a fair bit of this uh, co-op with Maria, um, and on the on the co-op version, Fucking you Jack over here like waddle these nuts. It's <laughs> <For laughs> the second time you fucking interrupted me, you son of a bitch. Um, <laughs> the uh the the waddle d like so in, in cult in the cult mode like the second player uses a waddle d um and so like they don't have all of the you, they can't 
basically you I mean Kirby is a monster can we just say like Kirby as an actual concept is fucking nightmarish and haunting um and I really feel like that hasn't been explored enough but the, are you the, thinking like some sort of like weird Lovecraftian horror with Kirby as like the main character, but he's all like twisted and broken and still well, swallowing like, things? He just he consumes things and transforms into them, and if they're not like made of organic matter, he can still like power as a fucking like you know vending machine and shit yeah, like that. Or cone. Curb Thulu would be an interesting Kirby game in the in the series. But in the but uh, it, was was Maria pissed off at having to be a Waddle Dee? Because it's like I take it because you're player one, right? You're controlling Kirby. K- Kirby is a cool character to play. What are the Waddle Dee powers that you can do? Is it similar to Kirby? No. So is, this is the it, thing. Like, if you're player two, um, your Waddle Dee just has like a spear and has like a kind of triple attack sort of thing. But that's it. Like, you can't consume any other. Um, enemies or anything and also the camera stays fixed on Kirby so you're really there as just like a kind of bystander like it's it's like the next step up from you know in um, uh, Mario Galaxy where the second player could just use the, the Wiimote to like pick up the sprite thingamajigs and that was it this <laughs> or is like odyssey the- where you can just be cappy basically yeah basically yeah so this is like kind of there where you're not the focal point and it is kind of weird because like we started playing and i was like why the fuck is the camera just fixated on kirby and obviously like that's just how it is like the camera just stays on kirby the whole time so if kirby runs off and you're like the waddle d and like you he falls off the screen it will just immediately teleport you back to kirby's location you just kind of carry on from there so she was getting annoyed at that very very quickly because obviously i'm you know running around as kirby and whatnot so i gave her kirby and i was just you know like kind of staying with her and it kind of makes sense like if you wanted to give um the controller to you know like a child or someone who was a little bit less experienced with games it's the perfect thing for them because the stakes are you know you can't die or even if you do like die you'll come back in about 10 15 seconds and carry on from there so there's there's no like stakes for it and even like if you die as kirby you lose 10 coins like it's <laughs> the, the stakes are as low as they possibly could be in a game like this so if you've got a child or someone who doesn't play games as much whatever uh like they can take on the, the second character but like if you like if me and jack were to play together it'd be a little bit frustrating because it would be nice if the camera would just like incorporate the fact that hey here are two people who know what the fuck they're doing let them play and let them consume characters and stuff but the levels aren't designed in that way so uh but yeah. you know it's still fun and I'm, I'm glad it's there as a as an option yeah, I, uh, I I would want to be Kirby though. I don't want to be cucked. I want to be the <laughs> I want to be the honcho. I want to be swallowing. Hey, hey, shit. that Waddle Dee has a bandana. All right, he's dope. He's awesome. Yeah. Okay. So so did Axel Rose, Mark, and look what happened to him. Uh, true. Um, I yeah, I can't argue with that. Bandanas in the fucking dirt on this podcast. <laughs> I'm sorry, I still haven't recovered from Waddle Dee's nuts. <laughs> I don't think I'll ever recover from that. Well, I think my favorite thing about the game is like the different power ups and like the, the incentive to get the scrolls to get the blueprints to like power up to the next level because some of those like later level powers and like the, the design, like 
Kirby's design with the the hunter, like the second tier of the hunter hat, uh, and like the face he pulls when he kind of pulls the guns together to like blast off. Uh, yeah, I, I think like overall the design of all of um, the hats and stuff uh, are, are kind of cool and kind of crazy. And they're so much better. And, like uh, they are like the upgraded versions are so much better than the ones that come before them. So they are very worthwhile. Yeah. They do get a little bit OP at points. Like I was one shotting some of the bosses with like the 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 hammer. I think it is. Uh, like if you can swing that and get enough kind of charge back, you can one shot pretty much anything in the game. Um, so he does get a little bit OP, but just just so much like charm and like the the thing where you get all of the the miniature figurines and you can go into um, I can't remember if it's Kirby's house wherever it is, but you can get like there's basically a screen where you can select and look at all of the mini figurines, and it's basically like giant Kirby looking yes. down at a table with the mini figurines. Okay, smiling at the ones he likes. It's ha ah. I just, I, I love that. That was, that was wonderful. Just, that, just know, a very charming know, game. You know, when I compared it to Astros last week and the way it made me feel, mm-hmm. that was the most Astros the game felt, where you've got these collectibles and you can enjoy them in this sort of like giant diorama style thing. But nothing in Astros is as cool as the giant Kirby that presides over his 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 ill-gotten gains from these levels here. Um, did did I redo the uh, the the mini game where you had to um, serve the waddledees either the tomato or the beer? I ha- I hate those indecisive waddledees being like I don't know entirely <laughs> what I want. It's a mystery for a while. You have to work it out. Just ask for your yep. freaking pumpkin thing, waddledee. It's fine. When you want an energy drink, and- take the energy drink. You want the Kirby cake? You want to get some revenge on Kirby? by eating a Kirby cake because he ate half of your species take the Kirby cake yep that's one of the many reasons I, I, I grew to hate <laughs> the Waddle Dees before I made peace with them certainly when it gets um, to lunchtime and they're just there's fucking loads of them and it just goes crazy yeah they're just what are, what are they though what's the point of a Waddle Dee to be King DDD's what? minions did he create them I don't know yeah, Kirby lore well enough <laughs> is there Kirby lore there is, is that a thing there is Kirby lore <laughs> There has to be a comics, surely, I imagine. There's some deep Kirby lore at the end of this game. Come on, Dave, yeah. this is where King, you surprise us. King DDD just fucked a bunch of bats. <laughs> and that's, that's where Meta Knight came from. Gotta, yeah, that is Let me where tell Meta you about Knight came from. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't been up to like the, the Colosseum yet like where Meta Knight is for the three minutes that he shows up like I don't know what's there exactly I don't know if anyone went and looked at that yet it's just a boss rush or a fight rush you do six fights in a row right. Meta Knight's the last one and then there's some more they add later ah, in the game okay. I'll, uh, I'll probably get to that I do, I do love the figurine I, I probably... system because it's that thing that if you saw that in a different game, you'd be like, oh no. You're like this gotcha yeah. system where it's randomized toys. You'd be like, oh, this is going to be the worst monetized thing in the history of existence. But no, it's just you pay in-game currency for it in this nice little Kirby game. It's so nice to have mechanics that have been like horribly bastardized through the years by just dreadful, horrific monetization structures just putting back in games in normal ways. Yep. Another another Astrobot rip. I thought the uh, the Gacha thing, because um, that that comes directly from that as well. Although, yeah, I'm but, not sure. But the thing with the the Astro one is everything you can get there. There's no like duplicates. Like if you get something from the the um, the ball machine, like it's just each one is like a, an individual thing. Where with the Kirby machines, like you can get like duplicates. But I think you can like upgrade them to the, the next tier or something. I'm not, I'm yeah. not entirely sure how that it works in Kirby. But yes, I it's nice of, that there's no IAPs. It is lovely. 
it kind of doesn't matter. No. Um, like you say, <laughs> the stakes, they're so low. It's just fun. It's just a good time, isn't it? Yeah. But I, I will say that I'm enjoying it more than like some of the other... I don't know how to describe this type of game, but you know, like your Yoshi's Crafted World, like this type of platformer that is kind of like, it's not, you know, you're not going to be challenged by it at any point. Um, but I, I've, I've certainly found this one more engaging than that because I bounced off of the Yoshi's Crafted World pretty quickly. And there's been a couple of games like this that, and even like, I think it was... Um, one of the Kirby games on the 3DS or the Wii U that I, I, I finished, but I didn't really kind of resonate with. Where I'm, I'm, not, I'm finding this just more... I'm engaged with it more. I don't know if just there's just a little bit more creativity in the level design or just the overall charm of it is working for me. I wouldn't say you but, reviewed yeah. the, the Wii U one on, on this very... Uh, on our podcast WordPress, Rainbow Paintbrush. Day. I might have done when when he had more free time. You did you reviewed a Kirby game on uh, a, a written review. I might have to go back and look at that. See yeah. how bad it was. Um, let's go to <laughs> Mark. What if you went back and saw that it was titled Waddle D's Nuts? And you were like, Dave stole that. <laughs> <laughs> Um, let's go to, we, we, have, we have a single news story this week because, uh, we got to let the, the quiz master shine then. Um, but I, I suppose it would be remiss of us, uh, not to talk about this because it's something that, uh, I, I don't know if miss it is the right word, but uh, like, I wouldn't, I'm not going to miss this thing, but I'm going to miss our coverage around it. And that's E3, which was officially cancelled. It's not happening in person or online this year. Um, so I, I suppose it will go around the, the table to get people's thoughts on it. Mark, you are did the most seasoned uh, E3 coverer on this podcast with me. Uh, I used to love our predictaculars, but uh it looks like E3 is, is dead and gone, mate. Well, I mean, E3 as, a, like, in name is gone, but I will be curious to see if, like, you know, A, will Jeff Key, like, continue to have his, like, Summer Games Festival and... Well, he, he is doing it, and he's doing, like, some sort of keynote address at it as well. Yeah, so, like, you know, if we have that, and I would imagine that... Because E3 has been so synonymous for, what, like 25, 30 odd years now that um, I could still see a lot of the publishers and, and companies still doing, you know, like a lot of presentations around that time because you just a lot of the kind of gaming world is still, you know, just there's kind of like that that muscle memory where hey this is the time of the year where there's a shitload of news that comes out so i would be yeah. curious to see if you know like nintendo decides to have a direct around that time if sony have a state of play etc etc because it's interesting because i in one respect i completely understand because the way media has gone is that you can appeal more directly to consumers now that you don't necessarily need a big trade show. But at the same time, even in the relatively modern era, something we've said on the show before, one of the benefits of still having E3 is that it's one of the only times of the year that mainstream media was doing a huge amount of coverage on video games. Um, yeah, I, I think one of the big things um, that has changed a lot of this is like the ease of which it is to get excuse me, the ease of which of what it is to get demos out to the wider public to try stuff out. Um, 
you know, where before, you know, if you wanted to, to play early access of a game, you'd have to go to one of these trade expos or something, or, you know, yeah. hope that you got a disc sent to you. But now, hey, you know, our game's coming out in three months, try this demo, hey, we're, you know, stress testing the servers. Like, I think of that has made just so much more accessibility, uh, just the ease of accessibility for that kind of stuff. That just over the years, like E3, the point of it, it's it, it's not quite diminishing returns, but just because of all of these factors and the fact that E3 itself and how the fact it's been run over the last couple of years and the multiple, multiple fucking calamitous fuck ups they've done with, you know, releasing press details and whatnot else. It kind of just always felt that this was going to be the end result anyway. And I guess COVID was like the death knell, the, the nail in the coffin that was already like halfway banged in anyway. But with all of that said, yes, like you, you know, I do enjoy uh, that time of year. I did enjoy our predictac, our predictaculars that we did. Um, and I, there will be aspects of that I miss, but there are so many other things that we have now and, and events that are similar, but, you know, obviously not to the, the scale that E3 was. Um, but I, I kind of enjoy having like just the, these mini events that happen with the state of plays and the directs anyway. So I'll miss it, but you know, I won't be pining for it. I'll say that much. Um, Garrus, you joined the podcast. You kill E3. I know, E3. I took it well down. Done. I'm just um, like, we can't have celebrations yeah. of video games when I'm around. Nobody has fun here anymore. <laughs> do, you, do you think it's uh, a wise move that they don't continue flogging a dead horse or, or what are you feeling about it? I would guess they'll be back next year. They'll try again, but we'll see how that works. Like, as Mark mentioned, you know, most game publishers set out their like marketing schedule for the year in advance, you know? So most of these publishers probably already had a, an E3 equivalent presentation planned in the summer that I don't think they're just going to suddenly go, we're not going to do. You know, Nintendo will probably have something in the summer. Microsoft will probably have something in the summer. Same with Ubisoft, same with EA Play. Though actually, no, EA did cancel EA Play this year, didn't they? They said they're not doing it. But yeah. for the most part, I think most of the publishers will still go ahead with something. When it'll be, there might be more flexibility. It probably won't be that. Like, honestly, magical time where it's like, let's all gather in a week and announce games that have been probably only barely started. But you know what? We want the excitement. So we're going to say the words Elder Scrolls 6 just to get everyone hyped up. But... Yeah. There was there there was like a lovely sweet spot in where media was kind of modernized. So people were live streaming reactions to it, so you could like pop on Giant Bomb or IGN and watch along with them. And it felt like you know press conference, press conference, press conference uh, for a couple of days. And like you said, even if it was stuff where it's only screenshots or pre-alpha builds, there was like a real communal sense about it. Yeah, and just to, to get it all in one week to celebrate, as you mentioned, like if you look at the game hype, it did all just center on that week in terms of mass media attention on video games and mass audience attention on video games as well, as opposed to spreading it out. And there's always like the fun arguments of who won E3 or who bottled it. But at the same time, yeah. is E3 fit for purpose anymore in an era where video games take six years to make games like the size of AAA yeah. big announcements? You can't really do it anymore. You know, you have to come to E3 yeah. with something. And I think it might help a lot of publishers not to have that pressure anymore to like come to E3 yeah. with something. And then you, that you get that thing where like there's that anthem story where they're just like, we built the thing we showed at yeah. E3 in six weeks and it was no way like representative of what of what Anthem what I was actually meant to be. Yeah, and, and Jack, to bring you in on this, I think 
it, it's an interesting point Garrett makes that as well as the kind of the, the way media and coverage of games is, is changing, perhaps something that, that contributed to people just not necessarily being arsed doing it this year was the fact that more and more as time went on, you were getting an hour and a half's worth of game reveals where pretty much everything could be bet on to miss its release date. Yeah, I think so. Um, and I guess the only sad thing for me is when these uh, companies do their individual things, do they do they do them to an audience or do they just put out like a, a web thing, you know, of X person standing in the studio introducing games, you know, Phil Spencer talking about the five new game studios that he's bought. Um, one, one of the things I kind of liked about E3 was I, I liked the pops from people in the audience like having a, a crowd there and the genuine excitement kind of like similar to what they have at like comic-con where like you know disney or, or dc or whatever would take a trailer for something there that they hadn't publicly revealed anywhere yet and i i kind of enjoy that sort of hammy element to it all i guess um and even with the fact that they're going to be making games, like you say, that you know might get pushed back and might get released um, at a later date, I think people, I think people would still be comfortable with that if they felt like they were part of something, like in a room, and it just kind of grew excitement in a really nice way. Uh, I'm going to miss the Just Dance things. Mm, yeah. uh, I mean, they were yeah. fantastic every single year. I'm going to miss random musical yeah. acts well, like Andrew WK turning you, up. You actually, I'll tell you what, Jack, I, I don't mean to to stop you dead in your tracks, but that actually was going to be my final question in the news, and we'll start with you. Uh, we'll just go around the table and talk. Favourite, dumb, weird, or good E3 memories? <laughs> Yeah, Andrew WK, I don't know why, but um, yeah, I think, I mean, uh, Keanu, I, I mean, it's going to be hard to top Keanu, isn't it? Yeah. Um, in, in terms of just like that moment and, and, and at the very, very peak of the cyberpunk hype, you know, at that moment of you're amazing and, and him pointing back at someone in the audience and you were just like, oh my God, how is this not going to be the the biggest gaming thing that happens in this entire generation and one year later it's a broken and forgotten husk which seems kind of odd but uh yeah i i, I just think all of the things i already mentioned the like my favorite kind of weird e3 moments i guess you know like the sony doing the thing where you know xbox revealed oh you had to have this always online and stuff and they're like here's how you lend a game to your friend you mm. just give it over and you know companies doing that like playing off the back of each other's stuff and like one up in each other or whatever in a little condensed package whereas now you know it's going to be like we've got an activision thing and then in two weeks time we've got a nintendo thing and in three weeks time we've got an xbox thing and you're not going to get that sort of like little tit for tat in in there in the mix either anymore but uh um, yeah, that that would be that would be some of mine. Uh, what about you, Mark? To be honest, most of my uh, memories of E3 run through Giant Bomb, and specifically run through any time Adam Boys, Dave Lang, and John Mignocchi were on the screen, yeah. just yeah. being the biggest, the, the king of the, just a bunch of garbage men, basically. Um, yeah. Mignocchi giving out his his phone <laughs> number on Twitter. Yep. Yep. Um, the hoop god, uh, that whole yep. nonsense. Weed um, three, weed three. <laughs> you know, 
just just anything yeah. that ran through Giant Bomb usually. Yeah. Uh, I, like I still constantly will go back um, and watch some of that stuff because uh, oh, it's yeah. just. It's just. I'll, I'll tell you, there there are like not just from E3, but I'll tell you, when in doubt, going to the uh, the best of Giant Bomb playlist on yeah. YouTube, like those super cut videos that um, I can't think of the guy's name, but Giant Bomb actually pay him to do the videos now, um, like recapping the month in Giant Bomb. Those are always fantastic. Um, yeah, their content is something like we used to watch it here in the house uh, when you lived here. Um, after the conferences oh, just, and stuff like that, it was just always great. My f- my favorite Giant Bomb stuff is whenever Gersman breaks, and he breaks yeah. a couple of times when those three fucking clowns are on uh, the couch with him. So, or Matt yeah. Kessler, America's sweetheart. Oh, America's sweetheart. <laughs> yeah. Um, for me, the two I was thinking of uh, that immediately came to mind um, are the Elder Scrolls woman who when they were doing the Elder Scrolls online thing and just every time they announced something that was just like the most minor shit in the world there's just one single woman in the auditorium going oh my god yeah. <laughs> and having an absolute <laughs> conniption she was the best uh, possibly the single best crowd member I've ever seen at one of those and then the other thing was um, the year Nintendo Direct had a Muppets opening sequence with Muppet Awata and Muppet Reggie um. Yep, that was tremendous. Reggie doing his push-ups. Nintendo sixty-two, Nintendo sixty-three, <laughs> Nintendo sixty-four. Tremendous. Um. What about the you, Muppet Garrett? Reggie? Actually, looked like real Reggie, though. Yeah. Yeah. It was great. <laughs> yeah. He kind of looked like a human Muppet yeah. with his big, like, friendly face. Garrett, what about you? I think I just missed the spontaneity of it. You know, if we do go to all these, like, yeah. pre-packaged, pre-produced uh, digital events, you lose, like, remember Akumi Nakamura for um, Ghostwire Tokyo when she revealed that game and was just uh, the most charming yeah. person on planet Earth and made everybody care about that game just by being a human being presenting it. Or when, like, Nintendo went on stage for Skyward Sword, I think it was, and the, the Wiimotes didn't work, there was interference like just that yeah. kind of wacky dumb stupid spontaneity of just human beings failing mostly or being really charming yeah do you remember that uh, the drive club guy who sounded like he was personally making love to each individual car mm. <laughs> oh, that was at like the PS4 one Creepy. of the early PS4 ones when he was talking about drive club and this guy was so disturbingly passionate about cars or that like I would have opened an investigation immediately <laughs> Or every single year, Microsoft bringing out a car and nobody caring. It's like, it's the car that's in Forza this year. It's like, well done, you have a car. Maybe the, like, one of the great E3 press conferences of all time, that one Sony press conference that was just like, Last Guardian's back, uh, Shenmue 3 is happening, and Final Fantasy VII Remake is happening. Now, the way all three of those games panned out... Let's talk less about it. But the way it was like bang, bang, bang with those announcements that year. Uh, I think like Twitter was called it the year of dreams afterwards. Do you um, remember the, the train wreck that was the Wii Music reveal and presentation? Yeah. Which just kind of spoke to just how bad that thing was uh, uh, as a whole. One of the more underrated uh, kind of like presentations as well was uh, Akumi Nakamura. Um, and That's just... Sorry, did you just mention that? Yeah, did it's I just fine. That? It's all right. Garrett, it's just, you're sorry. not listening to me. It's okay. Sorry, Mark. sorry. Right. I was nice to you I'm at the sorry, start. I'm sorry. Dave was really mean to you. It's like, I'm no, sorry. I'd never say a I'm mean sorry. thing to Mark. He doesn't even listen to me. And you listen to Dave with his all these D's nuts jokes. 
<laughs> hey, that I didn't, was me. I didn't actively choose to listen to those things, all right? Can I just point out that just it's all right to, to phase out and not listen to each yeah. other? Just another case, Because if it is, like, the, I'm going to go take a nap. Just another case of the Brits coming in, reappropriating <laughs> what we've done. Fuck's sake. <laughs> Hang on a second. I've only got a few I'll more. To I've, everyone, I've only got a few more months to make that before you get citizenship, so I need to get those in. <laughs> Take your shots while you can. Um, yeah, exactly. Uh, and now that I realise we're about to, ha- I, we're about to put our fate in his hands, we probably should have been nicer to him throughout the podcast. But on that note, <laughs> Mark, take us to Quiz Town, baby. Yeah, Hello. stop telling them how that we gave them the railways. <laughs> Yeah, uh, so I, I've been listening to a whole bunch of the uh, the five-star match game over on the Voices of Wrestling Network, and uh, I was like, you know what? It's been a while since we've had a video game-themed quiz here. So, um, yeah. Mastermind. I've got five rounds here of, of different style, uh, different types of, of questions or, or uh, different quiz formats, um, and the winner gets a big thumbs up. So you got that to look forward to. The first round, and you're competing against each other, by the way. Can I take that big thumbs up in cash? Uh, no. Round one. Round one is called Who's the Boss? I will give you the name of a boss. I would like you to then tell me the game that that boss comes from. So if I was to say M. Bison, you would naturally say Street Fighter. I would have gotten that one wrong. Uh, (laughs) Street Fighter. It's not a good start when you're like, oh no, I would have gotten the example wrong. <laughs> I'm looking you forward see, to this, Garrett. I must you see, say, if you go final bosses, final bosses are usually beyond the first fifteen oh, minutes I'm of the game. I'm Garrett absolutely screwed. Right <laughs> if you're like, what's the first frame who of this fu- video game? I'd be like, killing it. <laughs> who the who the fuck is Bowser? <laughs> <laughs> Does he run Nintendo now? What, what's going on? Yeah. Uh, each question here is worth two points, and there are five questions each for a maximum of ten points each. So, wow. I'm going to start with you, Dave. Your first boss is Malice. N-W-A-T-N-I. <laughs> pass. Right. Ah, sorry, that was that pass? I can, I can, yeah, I can't think about anything but N-W-A-T-N-I now. I've been sabotaged. That's never a place you want to be in. Uh, that was Shadow of the Colossus. Uh, Jack, your first boss is Hoyt Volker. Can you spell that? I can. It's H O Y T V O L K E R. Lance yeah, I was about Hoyt to make Volker. the same joke. <laughs> I promise you will not be able to make a TNA reference for all of these, but I know you're going to fucking try now. I was going to say if there's one man that can. Um, Hoyt Volker. It sounds vaguely familiar, but I don't. I, I, I'm going to have to pass it as well. He would be the final boss of Far Cry Three. Oh, he's oh, done you. He's, he, he's absolutely done you there. He is, but no one cares about him because exactly, it's all about Vars. Because he's, he's fucking terrible. Yeah. Yeah. No one cares about Hoyt Volker. Oh. I haven't played that game in years, but still, oh. That would be great as well in a round of is this a Metal Gear boss or not? Because Hoyt Volker <laughs> is very Metal Gear sounding. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's the first thing I thought, Dave. I was yeah. like, if this is a Metal like Metal Gear Revengeance boss or something, I'm going to punch Mark. Yeah. I was actually going to say Revengeance, yeah. 
Sorry, Mark. Garrett, your first boss is Pope Rodrigo Borgia. <laughs> Jesus. That's a cool He's having name. a good time for himself over there. It's all right. Um, D'Angelo De Niro, end of a TNA impact. Got him. Got him. I don't know. Fucking, fucking God. I don't know the actual answer. Uh, I feel like Was Dave he might actually a Pope? Really? Yeah. I mean, you've played Assassin's Creed 2, haven't you? No. Oh, no? Okay, never mind. Well, it was Assassin's Creed 2. The last uh, boss... The boss fight in that game is literally a punch-up with the Pope. Good. Well, I, I really feel like I should have played Assassin's Creed 2. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that sounds awesome. It's, yeah. it's not as great as it... It's, it's quite bad, actually. All right. All right. Dave, your yeah. second uh, question, your second boss is General... We're, we're, by the way, guys, they were just a bunch of fucking idiots. It's gone well. Off to yeah, a flying star here. Yeah. Uh, yeah, your second boss, Dave, is General Ram. I'm, I'm just gonna... I don't know, Advance Wars. You was close with the war. It's Gears of War. Uh, the first boss in Gears of War. I know you've definitely played that it's game. Not a, it's not a chest-high wall. It's not a chest-high wall. <laughs> uh, that's a shame. <laughs> Jack, your second boss, is Wheatley. Weebly. Wheatley. Oh, Wheatley? Is that not, um... You motherfucker. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's Portal 2, no? We are off to the races. We have our yeah, first points on the board. F- first one I knew. <laughs> Congratulations, Bison. <laughs> Garrett, your second boss. Flowey, the flower. Uh, Undertale. Yeah! Correct. Suck it, Dave, you're losing. Yeah. You suck, Dave. Yeah. Well, no, this is like golf, right? <laughs> Keep the score low. <laughs> uh, Dave, your third boss is Wart. Uh... <laughs> A swimming pool boss. Yeah. Often I'd... paired with Veruca or Corn. I'm going to pass, but I definitely know this. And I'm going to be sorry that I passed, but I will pass. Any anyone any is stat that? It's not no. no is that's... it? It's is it a Nintendo game? It is a Nintendo game. It sounds Nintendo-y. Um, is it like a Super War. Mario RPG? Is it like um? It's close. Metroid? No, it's Super Mario Brothers <gasps> Two. Ah. Jack, boss number three, Mika Bell. Mika Bell. Fuck, I know this one uh, as it, well. Wait, is that two names? It's yeah, it's a first name, last name. Mika Bell. Uh, yeah, so you said like from um, Red Dead Redemption. That would be the one, correct? Yeah. yeah. See, Mika Bell to me sounds like you, you kind of squashed that all together. I'm like, okay, what's a Mika Bell? Yeah. Is that like Mika a baby Bell? Yeah. We yeah, Bell, it's, it's, Victory Bell, Mika Bell. Mika Bell. <laughs> Mika Bell. I, I definitely evolved the Mika Bell on Pokemon Go earlier. Yeah. All right. Um, Garrett, your boss number three. And I'm, I already know a smile I'm going to see somewhere else, but uh, Frank Fontaine. Oh, no. Listen. 
it's a Dave game. I'm just going to guess Cuphead because it's a Dave I just, game. I just mother, are oh, you piece of shit, Robinson? <laughs> no, there is no, there is no boss in Cuphead called Frank Fontaine. He'd have to be like, well, I was going to say Frank the Clown, but that's a whole other fucking thing there. Hey, hey, Mark, can I guess? You can guess, but you won't get the points for it. No, yes. Would it be Bioshock? It would be, in fact, Bioshock. Absolutely. When Dave threw his head back like that, I would have guessed Bioshock. Fucking straight away. Weapon. All right, Dave. Here's your here's your chance for redemption. No, right? yeah, I know. No, I see what Red the pattern Death. is now. I'm not going to know any of my ones, but I'm not going to know all of their ones. Boss number four, Dave Ryan. Yeah. Ender Dragon. Oh, Minecraft. Correct. Thank fuck. After the races. Got a three-way tie. Jack. Boss number yep. four. Master Hand. I'm also making the Dave face, just so, just so everybody knows. <laughs> <sighs> Master Hand. Like Master Splinter. Yeah, that's what I, that's what I mean. Like, is it is it a Daredevil game? Um, was there's never been a Daredevil game that I can remember. Anyway, I I, I don't know this one. Smash. It's yeah, from Super Smash. Smash Bros. Correct. Garrett, boss number four for you. There's a boss in it's Super Smash Bros. There is. He also goes crazy, yeah. and then he's called and Crazy there's... Hand. Yeah, and then in is it melee or the Wii U one where you fight both of them? It's basically fighting Sakurai. He is the he is the master hand. Mm. Yeah, I only ever played that game like against people. I didn't yeah. know there was like a story the, uh, mode. The master invisible hand, Don Callis. Ah, yeah. yeah. I am bringing this back on rails. Uh, Garrett, <laughs> boss number four, Senator Armstrong. Senator Armstrong. Democracy, am I right? He's the, the true villain. He's the villain. Of, I don't know. A Metal Gear game. Oh, I mean, know, which damn it, one, now I have to say which one of the Metal Gear games. Uh, th- three. <laughs> I kind of uh, feel like I want to give him at least a point no. for that. No. 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 Oh, wow. No. Wow. All right. Disgusting behavior. Right, it's. it's it's revengeance. It is it indeed is revengeance. revengeance. Arguably, the arguably the greatest boss fight of all time. He says, "Make America great again." He does, in fact, say that. I'm claiming that as a moral win. <laughs> all right, play it all you want, buddy. So, <laughs> Dave, you got two points. Let's get it to four. Your final boss is the Yellow Devil. Nope. Is it Mega Man? Yeah. It is Mega Man. It's the yes. thing on the Smash stage, the thing, but, the, the, the stage obstacle. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is. Fuck knows which one, though. Uh, in fairness, like, it's just, it's Mega yeah. Man. Like, you would have ah, to be okay. a specific one for that. Oh, uh, right. okay. Jack. Bollocks, then. <laughs> you are, you're, you're winning here at the moment with four points. Um, <laughs> your, Barely. Your final boss of this round is uh, Osman Sadler. Sadler. The final boss of Chartered Accountancy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's how I get my... Uh... Uh, Osman Sadler. Oh. Um... Silent Hill 2? 
sort of in the same genre. No, it is Resident Evil 4. Oh, okay. Yeah, I haven't played that for a long time either. God, I, 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 I don't even remember which boss he was in. That would be the final boss of the game. Resident Evil. Okay. Fucking hell. Uh, mm. Garrett, to tie with Jack, uh, your final boss is Spider Mastermind. The mastermind of spiders. <laughs> Some yeah. would say the mastermind. The genius of all spiders. of the spiders. Now I'm trying to think of games that have spiders in it. And I can only think of Spider-Man. <laughs> it is definitely not Spider-Man. I'll give you that um, hint. What games have spiders? Uh, I don't know. I got nothing. The answer would be uh-huh. Doom. You could also have said Doom Eternal. You could oh, also say Doom Eternal game. as well. It's yeah. bad. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it, I, it I, is. I, it is, isn't it? It's just a bad video game. Yeah. Yeah. It's bad that there's been games that I've played that I've not remembered the name of the boss. I just from played Elden Ring well. twice and I couldn't name your boss in the game. So that's where I am. Oh. There's Zinedine Raydan at some point, I'm pretty sure. Well, after round one, Dave has two points, Jack has four points, and Garrett has two points. Moving on to round two, which I'm calling Track Mania. There are 170 original tracks across the Mario Kart franchise. I will name oh, a course, fuck. and you need to tell me which iteration of that course originally appeared on. So if I was to say Baby Park, you would say either Double Dash or the GameCube. Not Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, that would not count. I should also state for any SNES-era courses, I won't identify tracks by their number, because that would give it away. Each correct guess is worth one point. Are you ready? Ready as will ever be. Garrett, you're starting off this round. Your first course is Peach Beach. Peach Beach. Uh, I want to say Double Dash. That is correct. One point for Garrett. Dave Ryan, your first course is Rosalina's Ice World. We. Ah, sadly, it was the 3DS. Ah. Jack, first one for you. Yep. Water Park. Water Park. That's just America 8, is it not? That is indeed. One point to Jack. Yeah. Sweet. Back over to Garrett. Your next course is Cooper Trooper Beach. Oh, uh, 64. That is correct. Well done. Dave, Delfino Square. GameCube. Ah, sadly, that was the DS. Ah. Uh. Jack. Dave's had some tough ones so far, but yeah, I I know. Feel, I, it's okay. There's there it's is a fix. I made sure to make sure there's a blend here, so I have worry. the knowledge oh. to like narrow uh, a window. Because like I know it's like it's one of this generation of games. So if it's one of the handhelds, yeah. like you're just kind of screwed. Yeah. yeah. I yeah, that's as soon as he said Delfino, it was like Mario Sunshine, so it's somewhere around the yeah, certain Because you're saying with like the yeah. Rosalina one, it's like yeah. obviously it's post Galaxy, so it could be Wii 3DS yeah. or 8. I know it's not yeah. 8, so it's one of Wii or 3DS. Yeah, but then you gotta factor in that Robinson's yeah. a real piece of work. So. <laughs> <It's all over>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, Jack, speaking of which, Waluigi Stadium. Waluigi Stadium is wow. Wow. I'm just trying to think. I think that is... I think that's 
because around that it, that will also be double dash right that is in fact on double dash well done <laughs> come on <laughs> garrett course number three Moonview Highway. God, I don't even know what that track is. Oh, that's, that's uh, I will guess. I'm going to go for like a wild swing. GBA. Uh, sadly, uh, that was on the Wii. Mm. Dave, your track number three is the Airship Fortress. <laughs> is that Wii U? Mario Kart 8? That one was also on the DS. Uh, <laughs> Right. <laughs> guys, if only you could see his face right now. <laughs> just, I'm just gonna start answering like I'm just gonna say Tetris next round. It's <laughs> like I just I love Fox so much right now. Jack. <laughs> uh, course number three for you is the Sky Garden. I'm I'm gonna say that's Mario Kart Eight again. No, it is on Mario Kart 8, but it's actually in one of the new tracks, but that was originally on the Game Boy Advance Super Circuit. I swung too oh. early on GBA. Oh. Okay, cool. Okay, Garrett, course number four, Maple Treeway. Wii? That is the Wii. Very good. <laughs> Canada? <laughs> All right, Dave Ryan. Ghost yeah. Valley. Snaz. Correct. He's on the board. <sighs> Jack, course number four for you. Frap Snowland. Oh, that's um, that's Mario Kart sixty four. That is indeed. <laughs> Dave, face again. Remember when I was Garrett. talking about Patsy <laughs> Kenzie right. on Richard Osmond's House of Games throwing a fit because she wasn't going well. Hey, Dave, how are you doing? <laughs> Oh god, we, this should. We, I really wish we'd videoed this podcast. I'm just, I'm just in the quietly seething portion now because I'm just like, I'm resigned my to my fate that I will get a question regardless of whether I get it wrong. That the question the person after me get gets, I will 100 percent know. So yeah, well, we're about to find out. Um, yeah. Garrett, Luigi's Mansion. That's ooh eight. No, that is on the DS. Wrong spooky course. Dave, for you, mm-hmm. Cloudtop Cruise. Fucking uh, Wii. No, that's actually on the, 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 that's the on Dave eight Ryan on the principle Switch. just kicked into place mm. there for you. It's like, oh, fuck it, that's eight. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Jack, background to you for Wario Coliseum. Um, Coliseum? Coliseum. <laughs> I'm convinced is when it? you select him on Mario Kart 8, he says chicken. Yeah. I'm stuck. I <laughs> Jack, Jack, yeah. Um, I think it's either GBA. It's, G- it's got to be GBA or uh, GameCube. Uh, oh, I don't. Know, I don't remember it in Double Dash because I think I just have the memory of. Is it yeah, GBA? No, I'm gonna go with Double Dash. I don't think there's a Coliseum in 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 GBA because it's, it's too detailed. Your final answer? Double Dash, Double Dash. Correct. One point for Double Dash. I can have it, son. Come on, Garrett. Dragon Suck Driftway. It, That's the DLC of Eight. <laughs> I, lo- 
I love Correct. I love by the way that <laughs> Jack Jack tops being horrendous loser a quiz by being a worse winner. <laughs> just, just throwing in random suckets. I just can't help it. It's just if, your face. If there's one thing that continues through all of the quizzes we've done with Jack is him being a horrendous winner. Turns <laughs> into an awful human being. Dave Ryan, back with you. DK's Jungle Parkway. Oh, come on. Uh, 64. That is the 64, correct. Yeah. Don't Jack. pause like that, mate. <laughs> Jack, Choco Island. Choco Island? Only transports matter. Um, GBA? No, that's the SNES. Suck it, oh. Lizzo. <laughs> well, I didn't see you getting that answer. Right, Piranha Plant Slide. The 3DS. That is the 3DS. Good job. Dave Ryan, Ribbon oh. Road. 3DS. No, GBA, that was the, the Game Boy the Advance. Re- remake course on 8 Deluxe is tremendous. That is very good. Jack, Wario's Gold Mine. Wario's Gold Mine. <laughs> <laughs> I hope there's a hundred more Wario questions throughout this quiz. <laughs> ladies, and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, that is Garrett. That is actually Wario on the show. Oh my yeah, god, Wario! <laughs> uh, Wario's Goldmine. Um, I'm going to guess, because we've obviously not Stadium, not, I'm going to guess the Wii, Mario Kart Wii. That is the Wii, correct. Suck it, Dave Ryan. I'm here too. I'm just sitting in the middle of <laughs> these two beefing with each other at this stage. <laughs> just, just saying, yeah, Wario. I don't even know why anymore. Uh, Gary Kenny. Uh, so we got three left each. Uh, Gary, you currently have five points. So the next one for you is Vanilla Lake. Ooh, I don't think I've heard of it, so I'll just go DS. No, that's the SNES. I've not heard of that either. Dave Toad Harbor. GameCube. No, that's the Switch. Number eight. Jack, Lakeside Park. Lakeside Park? Eight? No, that was the Game Boy Advance. Uh, uh, Garrett, Cheeseland. <laughs> that was the Game it's Boy nice Advance as well. It. Very good. Yeah. <laughs> Dave, your second to last, DK Summit. Put me down for a DS. Uh, that was the Wii, unfortunately. Jack Lazell, Shy Guy Bazaar. <laughs> uh, that's also my uh, dating <laughs> profile name. Sh- uh, shy Guy, comma, Bazaar. <laughs> yeah. Or is it or Shy, cheese, comma, or, Guy Bazaar? Or, or, or Cheeseland. <laughs> <laughs> Cheeseland. Cheeseland. Cheese nuts. Um, Shy Guy Bazaar. I'm not familiar with that one. Um, GBA? No, that was the 3DS. Uh, All right, and the last round, Garrett, first to you, the Electrodome. That's. Ooh, 3DS. No, that was. uh, That was was that number eight. eight. I thought it was a comeback in eight. Yeah. Yeah. 
Is that not where uh, Hulk Hogan uh, body slammed Andre the Giant? <laughs> That's the one. Uh, Dave, your last one. Neo Bowser City. Fucking... Uh, 3DS. That was the 3DS. <laughs> it is annoying when you know because like, that's pre-made in 8 as well. So you're like, is it in 8 first or is it a remake? Yeah. Uh, last one for you, Jack. TikTok Clock. I love this level so much. Um, it's... Uh, that is originally... <sighs> Jack just is having the, is it in this first or is it a remake problem? <laughs> Oh god, I was really confident. Mm, doesn't love it that much. <sighs> that was so petty. <laughs> <laughs> That's a, I just tried to I, I I've realized now the way to, to try and claw back against Jack is to knock him off his game by annoying him. <laughs> so that's my role now, because I'm not gonna like get questions right to catch him. I it's it's a remake in MKA and I think it's from the DS. It is from the DS, correct. Yes! <laughs> Alright, so after that round, the scores currently look uh, Garrett has 8 points, Dave has 5, and Jack is currently in the lead on 10. Boo. Rolling round into round 3, which is called What Year Is 2022. It? 2022. Uh, I will list out three games from a given year. You need to tell me what year I am looking for. If you get it on the first try, you'll get five points. The second try is three points. The third try is one point. However, mm. you only get one attempt. So if you guess on your, your first attempt and you get it wrong, you'll get no points for that round. That's oh, a risky reward right there. You'll okay. get yeah, you will get three years it's like feast or fired in TNA wrestling. <laughs> I will stab you with this pencil. Garrett, no one knows what you're talking no, about. I do know what he's no talking idea, about. I do, yeah. <laughs> okay, just me. Okay, uh, Dave, your first game for your first year is Jungle Strike. Okay, so my, my choices now are to either guess or let it keep going. It's uh, yes. Okay, I will let it keep going. Okay. Your second guess for three points is Echo the Dolphin. Mm. I'm just going to take a swing. Wow. 1992. I wish, I wish it was, it was 1993. Oh my oh, god, man, that sucks. That was a really good uh, game. Do you know what? Until I said 92, I was thinking 93. Your uh, your final game would have been Mortal Kombat. Um, yeah. But yeah. That would have I would have been down to those 2 years. Yeah. <laughs> regardless of how long I'd waited. Grant. Jack, your first yep. game. 50 Cent Blood in the Sand. <laughs> oh god. Okay. Well, I mean it's it's in the in the like early 2000s isn't it <sighs> maybe is it early or was it I don't no I, I'm not confident I'm not confident enough to guess on that okay your second game is Skate 2 Skate 2 so Skate was like 2007 was it the original Skate so Skate 2 must be like sort of 8, 9, 10. 
it's like do you go with do you go do you take a plunge bravely like dave or do i be an absolute coward <laughs> um you are in the lead so you have the advantage let, all right let me let me hear that last game your last game is batman arkham asylum arkham asylum I think it's like it's either two thousand and I'm down to two years as well. I'm I'm it's nine or ten. I'm gonna go nine. Your final answer? Yeah. That is correct. It is two thousand and nine. Oh come on. Yeah. yeah. I knew it from I, I, I knew it from Arkham. I should have been less of a coward. I should have I should have guessed nine after skate two, because I knew skate was two thousand seven. Bollocks. Okay, Garrett's your first year and your first game is Wario Land three. Wario Land three. Do you have a platform for what that's on, Mark? Uh, I will get that for you just now. Uh, that was for the Game Boy Color. Color. Okay. Okay. So that's our time frame. I would have thought that was the GBA one, so it's a good thing I asked that question. <laughs> uh, no, I'll take the second game. That is the third game of one of my favourite game like, series of all can time. Can I ask you a question? What year <laughs> is it? Well, could you nail down the year? Your second game is Marvel vs. Capcom 2. Oh, that doesn't help me at all. <laughs> this is the I'll hardest the one third. so far, I think. Alright, your final one is Final Fantasy 9. Oh, 2000. Yeah. Correct, 2000 for one point. Yeah, Wario Land 3 was the sequel to Super Mario Land and Super Mario Land yeah. 2. I was, thinking, heard, I was thinking 98, 99 based off Wario Land. So. Yeah. Alright, background to you, Dave. Your first game for this next year is The World Ends With You. God. Ooh. Um. No, not brave enough. Go again. Your second game is The Simpsons Game. Sorry, you broke up a little bit. Which Simpsons game? The, the Simpsons Game. The Simpsons Game. I, I don't remember that, that at all. Uh, I think it was released in conjunction with the movie. I don't think it, it was, was around the same time. So it was around the time I finished. Okay, well, around the time I finished secondary school. Then, if it was the same year as the movie, I know what year it is. I'm just going to go with the year I finished secondary school then, 2007. It is 2007 yep. for three points. Yep, Get that's in. what I would have gone with, because that was the Simpsons movie. Yeah, I was either going to say that or 2008. Your last game, which probably would have sealed it, was Call of Duty 4 Modern Warfare. Yeah, that probably would have gotten me there. Jack, your first right. game is Soul Blade. I mean, I've barely ever even thought about this game. Um, though I, I, I just, I don't know at all. Okay. Your second game is Grand Theft Auto. Oh. Mmm. Oh, now I'm, now I'm, now I'm in that ballpark. Cause I just watched that documentary about early rock star oh, I don't know oh, do I want to guess the original Grand Theft Auto for Playstation 
I think it's 1997, right? I just don't know if I'm brave enough to guess 1997. I'm going to guess 1997. Fuck it. Your final answer? 100%. It's going to be 98 or 96 to piss me off, but I'm pretty sure it's 97. The correct answer is 997. Oh, yes. People get Come trees. on. So happy. Yeah, I watched that. Have you guys seen that no clip on um, I've not, no. early? I need to see that. It's so good. Um, it's one of the best ones that he's ever done. Your, it's so good. Your last game would have been GoldenEye 007. Then yes, 1997 yeah. is the yeah. year. Uh, Garrett, your first uh, game here is The Secret of Monkey Island. Ooh. Nah, nowhere near confident enough. Give me another. Your second game is Smash TV. I have no idea. So give me the third. <laughs> All right, it's Super oh, Mario World. Oh, go oh, 90... <laughs> Four? I'm gonna go ninety four. No, Super Mario was World was much oh, earlier. Yeah, Nineteen ninety. Uh, I was way out. I, I was thinking Monkey Monkey Island was mid nineties as well, so I was all over the place there. That was pretty hard. That one. I feel like I'd be better at this with movies than games. Yeah, same. Especially yeah. because, like, especially yeah. with you know Super Mario World. Are you counting the US release or the the the, the Japanese release there, Marco? Yeah. <laughs> Dave, your last round, your yep. last game to start with is Ice Climber. Right. Yeah, you're, you're shockingly, Mark, you're going to have to move on to the yep. next game. Okay, your next game is Duck Hunt. <laughs> right. Can you say okay. that again slowly? Duck <laughs> Hunt. Okay. <laughs> okay, so these are like. Early, early doors, uh, NES era. That shit came out in like 1952. And sure. again, it's a case of, you know, I could be, you know, it could be two different answers depending on what release you pick. I'm going to go like initial release because I know the, the, the Famicom came out earlier in Japan because I think it was. 86 in the US, so I'm going to say 84 when the Famicom came out in Japan. You go 984? Yes. Alas, mm. it's 1985. Oh, I've gotten oh. <sighs> your, last, your last game was Super Mario Bros. <sighs> Is that, that when it came out in Japan or the US? Uh, I think Duck Hunt just has a 1985 yeah, release. They, do, they don't know when, what about Ice know Climbers? when Super Mario Bros. came out in the US. They actually don't know the date. People like have a window, but people actually don't know yeah. the date that game came out in the US. Yeah. What about Ice Climbers? I'm, gonna try get, I'm just going to try scrape a technicality here. It's 85. Like, I, I made sure to check through all of these. They are 85. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. He all said. Right. Jack. <laughs> yep. Your last round. Your first game. True Crime Streets of LA. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's a callback yes it's, it's in there for a reason that's like super recent I feel like is it is it that yeah I think that's quite I'm, I'm not gonna guess but I feel that feels recent I don't know why in my head anyway but I don't know okay can I, can I just put a flag on the play here what's that Ice Climber is a platform game developed and published by Nintendo for the arcade Nintendo Versus system in 1984. 
the and NES then release. the Nintendo Entertainment System in 1985. the arcade release, Mark. Oh, ah, ah. I'm taking that buying In fairness, in fairness, you guessed on your second question on your second game and still got it wrong. So, uh, I'm to know. I'm taking the points, mate. Just because you fucked it doesn't mean I have to suffer. All right, fine. I will give you three points. <laughs> You're damn right you will. Hey, can I get some for the ones I got no. wrong? No. <laughs> I'm Stereo. Jack, your second game here is Beyond Good and Evil. Oh, okay. So that... W- yeah, that's not recent. Uh, hmm. That's like early, mid-2000s. I don't know when it came out. Um, to be honest, so I'm I'm gonna take I'm gonna plead the the fifth here and go go to the next one. <laughs> All right, fine. Uh, your final game is SSX three. That came out in the glorious year of two thousand and three. That is correct for one point. I mean, like that could not have been more of a layup tap in at the back post for for me than like now I actually believe in Dave's conspiracy against him with this quiz. <laughs> Thank you, Garrett. Your final game, your final year. Your first game here is Persona Four Golden. Oh, I can't come out like seven times though. Nah, give me another. Journey. 20, oh, do I want to go for? Yeah, twenty ten. Yeah. Is that your final answer? Yep. Ah, was that late? Oh, was it? Yeah. I was that sure Jury so was right. 2010. That's yeah. the thing you so just confident. Confi- oh, no, because... Yeah. yeah. I didn't think it was that late in PS3. Ah, well. What was my third game? That Mass Effect 3. <laughs> I think that would have actually reinforced my 2010 guess. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Okay, so after three rounds, we've got Garrett on nine points, Dave on 11, and Jack with 15. I'm clearly bad with dates. Oh, Dave's, Dave's pulled some blinders there. Round four, blinders, and this is one of the, the man man tra- <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Not, not with the man trying to keep me down, Jack. <laughs> round four, and this is the round I've been looking forward to the most. This is the, uh, the list them and learn round. Uh, okay. In this round, I will ask you a question that will require you to list as many answers from that question as you possibly can. If you are first, you will start by pitching a number of correct answers that you think you can reach, and then your contestant can either challenge that number or give a high number of answers that they can reach. This will go back and forth until someone challenges the opponents. If you are the one that predicts the number and you guess them, if you get the all of them correct, you'll get five points. If you fail, your opponent will get three points and you'll all get to go first for this. And there'll be three of these all together. Is that clear? Mm-hmm. Yep. Cool. So for the first one, I've got Jack against Garrett. Oh, no. uh, and Jack, oh, you'll get to make your first uh, prediction on this. Okay. Including the upcoming ninth generation, you've had the choice of three starter Pokemon, a fire type, a water type, and a grass type. How many of these 27 starter Pokemon do you think you can name? So does Garrett get to make a counter offer? So you will make your first uh, guess on how many you think you can name, and then Garrett can either challenge that or make a higher number. So there's 27... I think I can name 20. Okay, Garrett? Hmm. I'll price this right. I'll I'll give you 21. 
22. Go for it. Because I'm scared you'll call my bluff. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Jack. 22. Okay, so uh, Charmander, Bulbasaur, and Squirtle. Correct. The three. Is there a time limit? No, 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 no. Don't take I a mean, month. I, I might push you if you're doing this. Wait, I'm going to take a piss. At a certain point, fucking jog on and hurry up. Like. Right, okay, <laughs> so that's three. Uh, Chick- uh, Totodile, and... Oh, God, what am I doing already? My brain's going blank. Yeah, panic, panic. <laughs> I was about to just panic, say it and help panic, you. Panic, panic. <laughs> no antagonizing what? now. Why is my friend Cinderquill for fuck's sake? Yep, okay, um, yep. So Torchic, Trico, Mudkip. That is nine. Chimchar. Oh, fuck, <laughs> that little penguin thing called. Um, fuck that little. Ah, uh, Piplup and Turtwig. I'm impressed you're doing these by generation. I, I tried to do this in my head it. the other night and I couldn't fucking do it. it, it it's 100% the easiest way to do it. And then it was uh, black and white. Snivy, that little prick um, grass thing. Tepig and Oshawott. Right. How many is that? 15? That is 15. Yep. Kalos was Brokey, Chespin and the Fox. What's what the is fox the fox called? <laughs> 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 oh what's the fox called I don't know what the fox is called I can't remember what the fox is called I, I'm going to move on to Alola because that's easy because it's Rowlet, Litten and Poplio how many is that uh, that is I'll just get that now uh, that is 20 so you need two more okay uh, Grookey and School Bunny that is 22 Yes! What is the fox called? Because it's driving me crazy. Uh, Fennekin? That's not the first person. Fennekin. Yeah. Oh, yeah. God, why can I remember the fox? Uh, so you also had Grookey, Sobble, Sprigatito, F- I have, is it Fuecoco? Is that how we're pronouncing that? Fuecoco. Uh, Fuecoco and Quaxley. Quaxley. Yeah. yeah. Very nicely done, Jack. Well done. Very good. I would have lost the fact that up anyway, so. I don't remember the newer generations. Those uh, are the yeah, ones that it, just, it, my, but they have not been fixed in my brain. Black and white, I went completely blank on. I had nothing. Okay, I, I, okay. here's the thing, right? Because I play Pokemon Go. They've released them generation by generation over the last couple of years. Otherwise, I would have struggled. But can we just can we just row back to one of my favourite game, like, things of all time being gold and silver, <laughs> and I couldn't remember Cyndaquil. Especially, like, just after Pokemon Legends, like, <laughs> in which Cyndaquil is in. I know what is wrong with me I should have lost because of that alright next up it's Dave against Jack Uh, so this will be Dave making his first prediction Um, there are 20 locations around the world that can say they have hosted a map in the Hitman World of Assassination trilogy can you name them are we going countries or are we going cities I want the city I need the actual location okay So Dave bids first, does Correct. It? How many is the maximum? There are 20. I will... I'll open right in the middle with 10. 11. 
12. 13? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just nervous that at some point Dave's just going to go name them and I'm going to really, really embarrass myself. Name them. Oh, God. So it's just 12, right? No, 13, he said. Sorry, 13. Was it? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, Paris. <laughs> yes. Um, Sapienza. Indeed. Uh, kind of trying to go through these in order. Bangkok. Bangkok. Uh, Colorado. Colorado. Uh, I missed one out. Marrakesh. Marrakesh. That has five. Uh, oh, Chrysitis Inversus, the Japanese one. Hokkaido. Hokkaido is six. Yep. Hawks Bay. Hawks Bay is seven. Miami. Miami for eight. Oh, God, where was We're it? We're just piling all the pressure on Jack here, aren't we? <laughs> just sitting back. Um... <laughs> Oh god! I've hit a block. Yeah, but you realise if he he's gets this, he's going to scream on the microphone. Yeah, he's, yeah. But uh, honestly, like it was uh, with this one, I was like, no matter how many, like I would, if it got up to twenty, I would have backed Jack to get them all. So, I'm I, like, I don't I, think I was winning this one, regardless. I th- so unless I, I said then- one and he said list them, <laughs> I wasn't winning this. <laughs> but I think the next one is Mumbai. In 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 Hitman, Mumbai, too. India, yep, yep, uh, and then Whittleton Creek, Whittleton Creek, uh, so the Isle of Sgale, Isle of Sgale, is there? I definitely missed one out. How many have I got? You're at Eleven. You need two more. Oh, I mean, okay, so uh, Dubai, and um, uh. Um. Oh fuck! <laughs> what? Um. Can I do? Can, do the DLC maps count? There are twenty maps. Okay, so New York. Then. New York. There you go. Yeah. Okay. All right. That's three points for Jack there. Um. Other maps you missed or could have had were Santa Fortuna, Haven Island, Dartmoor, Berlin, Chongqing, Mendoza, and the Carpathian Mountains. But uh. Do you know the worst part is? I couldn't remember Dartmoor. I remembered the map. I was just going to say the knives out level. <laughs> and I don't know I why would my have brain not just counted on. that. No, my brain just stuck on Dartmoor. All right. Yeah. Garrett. Since 2010, 14 superstars have graced the front cover of the SmackDown vs. Raw oh. or 2K series of games. Ex- so glad I'm not in this Excluding round. 2020's Battlegrounds, we won't include that. How many of these 14 superstars can you name? 14. And you're against Dave here. No. <laughs> 14? Yeah, wow. Garrett just said 14, um, guys. <laughs> list them. <laughs> Let's say list six. Them Let's start conservatively. All right. Dave, do you want a challenge or do you want to make a bet of your own? Eight. Nine. Oh, oh! Cause ten is hard. I think I'm at about six in my head. I list them, Garrett. All right, oh. that's including 2022, I assume. Yes. 
Yes, this including this year as well. So, uh, how many, sorry, was it nine we're going for? Nine. Nine, okay. And what's the starting year again? Uh, 2010. 2010. Okay, Ray Mysterio. Ray Mysterio, correct. Seth Rollins. Seth Rollins for two. Roman Reigns. Roman Reigns for three. John Cena, surely. John Cena is, in fact, on here multiple times. How are we doing, like, DLC or Deluxe Editions? It's no, just it's the, the core no, game. It's the quick it's just, cover of the game. Just the front cover of the game. But there's multiple, like, there's an NWO edition in which there's an NWO cover of the game. I don't, but, no, no the special end. fancy editions, right. just the main versions of the game. Um, Because I wanted to do this, but with <laughs> FIFA. I wanted to do this with FIFA, but then I saw there was, like, 25 different versions of, like, yeah. <laughs> each yeah. of them, depending on the country. Yeah. Also, like in the like early to mid two thousands, they were wild, and then there was like three players on the same cover. Also, I would totally get it mixed up with Pez because I started playing Pez for a while as yeah. well. Remember that Pez cover of Thierry Henry and John Terry? Yes. AJ Styles. Anyway, AJ Styles, correct. That's five, right? That is five. Yes. Um, I think Becky Lynch. Becky Lynch would, in fact, be on here as well. Wow. Six. Who else was a star in that company? I know it's a small list, but... Uh, <laughs> well, you've already named Roman, so that's CM it. CM Punk was on 13. CM Punk, yep. Uh, that was my first Brian thought. Danielson. No, Never. Daniel no, Bryan Daniel was Daniel Bryan not. was... He was on the reverse cover. We never put Daniel Bryan on he the was cover. Never on the he was never cover. on the proper cover. They did the year that they were doing that. We're pushing him. Oh, we're not. They put him on the reverse cover of the what the alternate outrageous cover. company to never put so, Brian Danielson. I, 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 I was like, I was like, please let Brian Danielson trip him up. That would be three it points was, for Dave because I believe that year it was the Rock on the actual. Because I should have went it? safer. Like Taker's probably one. Yeah, you've got Edge, Undertaker, Edge. Randy Orton, multiple times, uh, Big Show, Steve Austin, that one year when they did the Attitude Era stuff, yeah. uh, Brock Lesnar. Oh, Brock uh, was much safer than Brian. Ah, and, <laughs> I and gave the them Miz. too much doubt. I gave them too much credit that they would put fucking Daniel Bryan on the cover of their video game. <laughs> <laughs> oh. All right. All right, we are down to the final round, uh, and this is a quick-fire round of 12 questions, each worth one point each. Uh, we'll start with the person in last place, which is Garrett, oh, on nine points. The Mario so, Kart round went so well. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, are you ready, Garrett? I suppose. Okay, your first question starts now. Which video game company collaborated with Sony on the PlayStation? N- Nintendo. Correct. What year was the first Call of Duty video game released? 2002. 2003. Which video game featured the first Easter egg? It was, oh, the one with the labyrinth. It's based on Ready Player One with the maze. Oh, no. I'll pass. Uh, That was Adventure. (laughs) How many different Tetraminos are there in Tetris? Uh, Five. The answer is seven. Which classic video game did Tony Stark catch a member of S.H.I.E.L.D. playing in the first Avengers movie? Oh, Galaga. Correct. What organization hosts a biannual charity event on Twitch revolving around speedruns on popular video games? Games done quick. Correct. What was the Nintendo Entertainment System known as in Japan? Famicom. Correct. What American video game company was launched by former Apple employee Trip Hawkins in 1982? Atari. Is Electronic Arts. Nah, 82 is way too early. Late for Atari. 
podcast. Which of these footballers has not appeared on the cover of a FIFA game? <laughs> Michael Owen, Saul Campbell, or Theo Walcott? Saul Campbell. No, it was Michael Damn. Owen. Michael Owen. Yeah. Which god confronts Kratos at the end of God of War 2018? Zeus. No, it's Thor. What is the name of the weapon store in the GTA series? Ammunition. Correct. And what item is needed to make Jigglypuff evolve in Pokemon? A moonstone. Correct. That's one, two, three, four, five, six points for a total score of 15. Of all those adventures going to annoy me most. I've watched Ready Player One twice. <laughs> Why would you do that? I don't know. Yeah. God damn you, Gary. Okay, so God Dave, you... You're on 14 points. Uh, you need one point to tie it with Garrett, uh, and you need a few more after that to get to Jack, but I believe in you. I think you should tank it in solidarity, Dave. <laughs> get exactly two points and then just gonna tank it. <laughs> All right. Are you ready? No. But Tough. Go on, anyway. In the original arcade version of Donkey Kong, what was the name of the character that would later be known as Mario? Jumpman. Correct. Mortal Kombat was originally developed as a licensed game version of what popular movie? Oh. Bloodsport? Correct. The peripheral device that would be used to connect two Game Boys was called what? Link Cable. Correct. What was the first commercial home video game console? Pass. It was the Magnavox Odyssey. How do you mi- make obsidian in Minecraft? Uh, you mix lava and water. Correct. In what year was the first SimCity game by Maxis released? 1999. 1989. Uh. What popular dining franchise is the founder of Atari also responsible for? Dining franchise? Atari. I don't know. Pass. Chuck E. Cheese. Ah, Charles Entertainment, jeez. What game did Japanese NES game Sweet Home go on to inspire? Say that again. What game did Japanese NES game Sweet Home go on to inspire? Um, Animal Crossing. No, it was Resident Evil. Ah. Which of these games did not have a PSP title? God of War, Devil May Cry, or Little Big Planet? Devil May Cry. Correct. What is the name of the star system in which the Star Fox universe takes place? Corneria? No, it's Lilats. Oh, it is the Lilat system. Corneria is the first planet. Correct. What is the highest grossing movie based on a video game? Ooh. That's a good one. Is this adjusted for inflation? Uh, oh, come on. No, it's just <laughs> as of this time, what is? You're not putting the legwork in. Actually, there. actually, my response to that question is fuck you. That's what it is. Um, <laughs> Mark with a fucking is calculator. It, is it, uh, Sonic the Hedgehog? No, it's Warcraft. Really? That movie oh. is bad. Yeah. Oh, that movie sucked dick. Your final question In Half Life 2, which creature is Dr. Kleiner's pet Lamar? Or what creature is Dr. Kleiner's pet Lamar? Headcrab. Correct. Hey. All right. One, two, three, four, five, six. Gives you a total score of 20. Um, Eat which, shit, Garrett. Well, at least you tied me in the last <laughs> round. That's a, 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 a kind of consolation. 
So I'm just here Jackie, to be you have already... like the Simpsons quiz. Now this, it's just <laughs> look how you invited me on the show. It's like, hey, Gary, you can be on the show. We're just going to do quizzes to show how stupid you are. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, this was a better show out than the Simpsons it was, quiz. That was disastrous. Uh, Jack, so you've already won, but I guess we'll do your 12 questions uh, anyway. Literally a victory lap. Yeah. Uh, that's until Sweet. the drugs test come back. <laughs> um, okay, so your first question. What was the first video game character to have a balloon featured in the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade? Gotta be Mario, hasn't no, it? No, Sonic the Hedgehog. Oh, wow. The protagonist in GTA Vice City was voiced by which actor? Uh, oh, a fucking... It was... Um, ah! Radio! Correct. What year was the Super Nintendo Entertainment System released? Uh, like... 1988? No, it was 1990. You should have been able to reverse engineer that uh, based off the Super Mario World the year earlier. Because it was a pack-in. Yeah. Yeah, you dumb piece of shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the guards just firing shots there. I'm going to answer Morbius for every question and still beat Aww. the two of you. <laughs> <laughs> in 2018, which video game company did actor Alfonso Ribeiro sue for unethically capitalizing off content he created? Um, is it Epic? It is Epic indeed. The dance. Uh, what American toy manufacturer was famous in the 90s for their LCD handheld video games? Mattel? Tiger Electronics. Um, what 2014 game gives you the name Douchebag? <laughs> Um, I, I, Daredevil. No, sorry. Um, fucking. I don't know. No idea. South Park Stick of Truth. No. What game yeah. is widely recognised as the first three D fighting game? Tekken. Virtua Fighter. Uh-huh. What was the first video game console to use Blu-ray disc as its primary storage medium? PlayStation. Three? That is correct. Yeah. Which of these was not a launch title for the N64 in Europe? Super Mario 64, Wave Race 64, or Pilot Wings 64? Pilot Wings? No, it was Wave Race. Oh. I love Wave Race. In Metal Gear Solid, what is Octagon, Octacon's real name? <laughs> Dave Octacon. No. Uh, oh, Christ. Um... <laughs> Because we made, didn't we make a joke about you being Octagon at some point? Probably. No, no, the, we weren't. It was not Octagon, was it? The thing that's great about the quick fire round is that even though he's already won, I know that every incorrect answer is like a dagger in his heart. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Is it? Ha- it's Hal, I think, but I don't, I don't remember his last name. It's Hal Emmerich. Ah, pause. Yeah. What alien does Samus Aran get infected by in Metroid Fusion? Oh, genuinely no idea. That would be the ex-Parasite. And what was the original name of Studio Rockstar North? Uh, yeah, because that, that was... Um, uh, 
<laughs> that was from that documentary as well. Um, they were like, uh, uh, D- it was DMA, DMA. Correct, DMA, DMA. design. Uh, that's yep. four points to give Jack a total wow, of Jack 27. What a calamitous performance. I think me and Dave should claim victory based off that. Last- yeah. All, yeah, all that anyone will remember. <laughs> Is the last round? Yeah, they I, they was they were hard questions for me that last round. Oh, All right, I'm tapping out. Okay, um, thank <laughs> you for that very much, Mark. We look forward to uh, a quiz of equal breadth and depth next week. I, I like how there's not even like a congratulations, Jack. It's like ah, oh, end the show, no, move it on. No. Yeah. No. <laughs> to be fair, they, the reason and I no won one that... will ever know who won. <laughs> The reason I won that primarily is because Mark queued up Star Pokemon and Hitman maps for me. <laughs> yeah. In fairness, I thought Dave might put up a fight with the Hitman one. No, I knew, as soon as Hitman, I was yeah. like, Jack could name all 20, especially when there was no time limit. Just uh, also, by the way, next week, anime special, just saying. Oh, yes. Yeah, I'm absolutely losing. <laughs> yeah. Provided it's all Dragon Ball Z, I'm quids in next week then. Uh, that's the only right. thing I would be able to get any questions for. Good stuff. By the way, it's today is the uh, the was it the 25th anniversary of the original Pokemon, the first episode of the Pokemon mm-hmm. anime. Coming and up. this past week was the uh, the anniversary of uh, that's the Wall Brother. We're old guys. Yeah. Um. Right. Uh. Thanks very much for that again, Mark. We'll never know who won, but it was good effort nonetheless from you. Thank you very much. Um, all about the friends you made on the way. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> me and Garrett, friends to the end. Um. And. No one else. Um, anyway, uh, that's another episode of Link to the Cast in the Canister. Thank you very much for tuning in. At Link to the Cast is where you need to go on Twitter to talk about popular fixes in quiz shows that you've heard of uh, over the years uh, or content you'd like us to cover, games you're playing, games you'd like us to have a look at, whatever you want. Uh, individually, we're... Um, at the day to day for me, uh, at Lithium Project for Mark, at Garrett Kidney for Garrett, and at Big Piece of Shit for Jack Lazell. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> until, until next week, <laughs> stay safe, be safe. <laughs> we'll see you then. Bye bye. This is your worst ending ever. Bye. <laughs> it's the best. Wave race. I am the champions.